Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and joining me today are... Devendra Hardwar. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show. Gentlemen, it is our top 10 movies episode of 2019. Uh, and what better time to release such an episode than in early January when no one cares or reads these lists anymore? Uh, <laughs> I, I think the timing has just worked out wonderfully. But uh, no. That's kind is, of our trademark yeah, is uh, <laughs> nailing the timing. Yeah, yeah. Totally being late to every uh, major trend that's happening in the world of uh, podcasting and list making. But seriously, though, uh, this is the episode where each of us are going to count down our top 10 films of the year. Of course, you can always find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Now, before we get to the list themselves, I thought it might be worthwhile to uh, generally reflect back on 2019, see what you all thought of it, and then also... Talk a little bit about uh, how we made our lists and and kind of what our philosophy was because uh, that that stuff may may change every now and then. So why don't we start with kind of general reflections on the year 2019 in terms of film going? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. what wh- what do y'all think of this year of films as we reflect back? You know, I remember many yeah. years we usually go back and we say like, well, the year sucked, but the movies were great. Um, as you reflect back on the year. Uh, Jeff, why don't we start with you? What, what are your thoughts on, on how this year went? Well, the year sucked, but the movies also sucked. Um, no, I, I, I don't want to be so negative. I had, uh, I had a very, very, very hard year personally for a number of reasons, not the least of which was that my eye exploded uh, in August. And so this was the year, I think, of the last more than a decade where I saw fewer films than I have ever seen. And I had a larger gap <laughs> in watching. I had, I had what, six weeks where I couldn't watch anything. Oh my God. Listening to audiobooks and stuff. And I mean, I, my eye didn't work and it was painful to look at anything for more than a minute or two. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I wasn't watching television. I wasn't watching movies. And, uh, so there's a, a big gap there, um, for me. And so maybe that, informs what I'm about to say or invalidates what I'm about to say. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also felt like I had a harder time this year coming up with a top 10 list because I I was struggling to get to 10. I usually have all kinds of movies yeah. that I'm like, oh, that's not going to make my list. How, oh, how, how am I going to fit all the movies I want onto the list? And this year I was like, well, I got eight. That I definitely want on there. Uh, <laughs> I guess I should watch some movies that I missed this year. And I, like the last yeah. few days, I've been scrambling to see movies that people have talked uh, enthusiastically about so that I might fill out my list. And that never happens. Yeah. So maybe that's more me than the year. But it feels to me like the year because it's my experience of the year where I just felt like there was less stuff that I just came away really jazzed about than usual. Devendra, your thoughts? Um, you know, Jeff, I feel you just because you basically missed out on like a tenth of the year in terms of like what to watch and stuff. So that <laughs> yeah. that's six. It's not great. Um, for me, like I actually had a trouble like knocking it down to 10 movies. Like there are a whole bunch of things I could go all the way up to the top 20 at this point this year. Like there's a lot of things I really enjoyed, a lot of things that really resonated with me personally. And I, I think there are a lot of movies commenting on the state of the world today and class struggles and class uh issues so i just enjoyed seeing all that out there and there are a lot of things that just you know worked for me really personally so it felt like a good year for me um i am less 
anticipating next year, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think it's been no secret that this year has been really difficult. This is the year that almost broke me as a moviegoer. <laughs> uh, and I'm, uh, you know, obviously I'm being the classic David Chen level of melodramatic there, but uh, it's also a, a year where Jeff Kanata, as of like September, mid-September, right, um, uh, of 2019, I, I did not have a top 10. Like I had a top six, maybe, you know, like a top eight at, at most. And then in the last three months, I, I've watched, you know, a couple dozen movies, many of which could have been in my in my top 10. You know, that, that's definitely something that has been a dyna- dynamic that I felt like I've probably, I would say I'm looking over it right now, two thirds of my top 10 list and many honorable mentions came out in the last three months. Uh, yeah. So... It's been really like back loaded, and and I do now feel like okay, there's more than ten movies uh, that I really really mm-hmm. love this year, and so like I, I'm like Devendra. It actually took me a little work to pare it down, but for the vast majority of the year, it felt like really slim pickings. Particularly if, uh, like us, you didn't go to a lot of film festivals this year and see movies on the festival circuit before they became uh, eligible for wider release. So. Uh, I'm feeling you, Jeff. I'm feeling you. And uh, I agreed with you for most of the year. But yeah, this last last few months, I've just seen a bunch of stuff uh, that we'll talk about in a little bit that made me feel like, hey, I could, <laughs> restored my faith in, in the movies a little bit uh, t- <laughs> towards the end of this year. And that's been, that's been nice to see. Uh, so yeah, th- those are our overall thoughts on this year. As usual, what we What do you have, think about uh, just sort of the, the – the, I mean, we talked – in previous years about the trends of movies. And I think probably a lot of the stuff we mentioned last year has continued this year, just in the general trend of, you know, the state of the industry on the big screen, especially where so much of the high quality stuff, I think we can agree tends to be on the small screen these days. And that line is blurring, you know, a little bit. Um, but you know the the blockbusterification of the the theater experience and how i think you know we're we're all there for blockbusters like we i get i get up for blockbusters i'm down you know i'm a i'm not a i'm not just you're a not going to kick them out of bed film. you know i'm not i'm i get excited i get genuinely excited when there's a a new godzilla movie coming to theaters i mean come i yeah <laughs> let's do this but i I found myself, I think, more disappointed by more movies this year than it feels like in previous years. And maybe I say that every year and I'm just not remembering. But, man, it just felt like there were a lot of big swings at stuff that that weren't just, you know, base hits. (laughs) They were complete flyouts, man. They were completely (laughs) just, you know, strikeouts. They were completely awful and uh, and were so promising. And I... um, I don't know. I just feel to me, I don't mean to be a downer. I, I certainly have a list that I, of films that I think is incredible, but I don't know. I just felt like 2019, mm-hmm. not overall what I would consider cinematically a strong year. Yeah. I would but say we, we haven't really talked about TV though, but you mentioned small screen, Jeff. Uh, there, there was a lot of good TV stuff like despite Yes. Yes. The Game of Thrones ending. Like I think Watchmen is astounding. Like Watchmen is one of the best things I've seen in the last decade. You know, uh, you look at Succession season two, Fleabag season Oof. two, like there's so much great yes. stuff coming and a lot of movies just coming on Netflix. Like 
There's a new Soderbergh yeah. movie that just appeared on Netflix and nobody's talking about it because uh, apparently it's like, okay, but these things are just <laughs> happening, you know, and those aren't big screen movies. So it's just funny. Yep. Yeah. We're squarely still in that golden age of TV. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, also like Jeff, I, I think what you're saying is you know, the way I perceive what you're saying is that like, um, in general, more and more we're seeing, I, I would say your statement is true, uh, for movies that opened in wide release in, in theaters, right? Um, right. when you're so like, this has not been a strong year cinematically, I, I would say like most of the movies that opened in wide release or that people could see. Uh, of those, many of them felt like they weren't very good, at least from our little circle of, of our sphere of perception. Um, and that is borne out a little bit when you look at like box office uh, numbers and you see like the top movies are generally sequels and adaptations and many of them aren't very good uh, or at least aren't great, right? Um, but I would say if you if you broaden the scope a little bit and look at the totality of like film output, uh, it, there, it's actually pretty good. There's a lot of like great work being made. It might, it might mm -hmm. be harder to, um, to see, uh, immediately. It might be harder to, uh, know when it's coming out because, uh, marketing budgets may be limited, but I do think like overall there is still great work being done, uh, from a film standpoint. It just is like, it's, it's, we're seeing the continuation of trends that we've witnessed for the last decade on this podcast, which is just more and more stuff being based on pre-existing properties. That's the only reason why a movie like Men in Black International can be allowed to exist. It's not because there is no God. It's because uh, that <laughs> people in general like seeing, like seeing stuff based on stuff they already know. Now, right. obviously, but also, also, there is no God. <laughs> That's well, true. Also, the God is money, and God is the <laughs> yeah. money that you think franchises is going to make. You yeah. know, so yeah. Sad. yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, all I don't that know. I, I'm looking at my 2018 list. Yeah, and <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> you know what I'm just saying? I'm not, I'm not, my 2019 list is also very good, but yeah. I'm just uh, you know. I, I, I agree. It felt it felt a little bit more like a forced march this year in terms of like yeah. coming up with these lists. Uh, probably more so than any other year that we've done this, and I, we've been. I, doing I can't this for... wait till we talk about next year because that does not feel good. Yeah, oh boy. I mean, next year actually looks extremely bleak because at the end of 2018, it's like okay, we we had no idea how badly some of these movies would end up being, you know. But there was much to look forward to, and next year it was a real struggle to come up with like what we would be looking forward to for next year. So, but maybe mm -hmm. it'll surprise us, you know, maybe there'll be a lot of movies that we didn't even see coming and, uh, and that will be a delight because, you know, Sundance is right around the corner and we really don't know what is going to set the cultural conversation often until like half of the year is already over. So, uh, anyway, let's get to the list themselves. Uh, and I think in terms of the, t the top 10 movies, uh, I always want to offer these caveats, right? Which is that your top tens, your meaning the listener, you the listener, top tens, uh, will be different than ours. Uh, and em embrace that difference. Try to understand, try to appreciate the fact that the fact that it is different tells you mm -hmm. something about us, about us on this podcast, right? Like the fact that my top 10 is different than your top 10 is like, hey, this says something about what David Chen's experience was, what Divinger Hardware's values are, what Jeff Kanata finds most exciting at the theater. You know, like that's what these lists are a reflection of us and what we are into at a very specific point in time. Because, you know, a couple of weeks from now, 
it, this top 10 might be complete. If, if you asked me to make this top 10 list sure. in a month, it would be completely different maybe. So just, for sure. it's, and, and also I would say that a primary function for me of this list is to highlight titles that people might not have heard of. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie about like, hey, this movie is actually my number one when it wasn't my favorite movie of the year. But at the same time, when you get lower down the list, it's like, okay, here's a slot that uh, it doesn't really matter whether this is number nine or number 10 or number 10 or number 11. And if I can put something there that you, the listener, haven't heard of and that it might motivate you to go see this movie, uh, I'm going to do that because it yeah. doesn't really matter. The rankings are not really that important. Right. It's like, okay, I, I, how, I dare think a, how dare you? One thing that's also <laughs> worth noting is like, I read a lot of top 10 lists too. Like we, we all see what the major critics like, and I don't want my list to be identical yeah, to everybody yeah. else's. I kind of want to reflect something different so that yeah, you want to, you want to have a unique so list. Right. But also it's like, it's not like you're lying when you're making the unique list. It's these are, it's, yeah. it's just like, Hey, this entire construct is, uh, in some ways, kind of silly to begin with that we can like rank like whether, you know, marriage story is better than Mad Max Fury Road or whatever. You know, like it's just like, how is that even possible? Um, so just keep all that and keep all that huge dose of caveats sure, sure. in mind. Remember, kids, everything is meaningless except for the meaning we give to it. So there you go. <laughs> all right. Jeff Kanata, any any other thoughts before we get into this? Oh, I wanted to come up with some thing where both those movies have fire being spewed <laughs> out at high speeds. Uh, and I, I was struggling to come up with a marriage story, Mad Max Fury Road, where they're the, basically the same movie, but I couldn't. Mm. Anyway, um, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of this list. I'm, I don't know if I achieved the <laughs> criteria you guys just outlined of having um, discoverable picks, but perhaps some of them. Uh, but I, I feel like... Uh, I don't know. I just had a harder time this year yeah. doing my 10 than, than I have previously. But You know, sp- speaking of you struggling to find out, like, to, to compare two movies, I was just reading this list at crookedmarquee.com. Um, Eric D. Snyder, former Slash Filmcast guest, has written his annual list called 2019 in Film Miscellaneous Important Data, which is always a list I enjoy reading. I'll just, the, the kind of very basic numbers here are, and I'll link to this in the show notes, uh, total wide releases with over 600 plus theaters is 146. Of 146 wide releases, the number of sequels, prequels, remakes, and reboots was 40. And uh, 19 were based on a true story. 16 were based on novels. Six based on comic books or comic strips. And three based on TV shows. As well as two based on toys. Playmobil, the movie, and Ugly Dolls. Sounds like those are mutually exclusive lists, right? Because... <laughs> There was more than six comic book movies, but some of those were put in the sequel category, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that might be right. I'm not 100%. Because also, right. two based on toys, but there was Lego Movie 2, and which probably was put in the sequel category instead of the toy category. Lego Movie 2 didn't come out this year, did it? That was. Uh, oh, yeah, it did. Oh, yeah, wow. Did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's, it's been a yeah. long year, man. It's been a long year. <laughs> a long year. Maybe, maybe he just missed Lego Movie too. But in any case, he also I has feel like these... those are, he put those in in different buckets. Yeah, perhaps. yeah, it's very possible. It's very possible. Um, uh, but I also like how he draws these like very interesting comparisons that I didn't think of. So, for instance, he says movies set in the past about Germans who will get in a lot of trouble if anyone finds out what they have stashed in the hidden rooms of their house. Uh, Jojo Rabbit and The Golden Glove. Those are the two movies that fall into that category. Um, <laughs> movies in which a, a, a uh, I'm sorry, movies whose first image is an extended shot of a TV surrounded by videotapes or DVDs, the titles of which hint at the movie's themes. That's Climax and Us. 
Wow. Uh, TV did it too. Also, Bandersnatch huh. did that, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess yep. this is, but he's not including TV in this list. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a trope. <laughs> movies that are remakes of foreign films remade by the same guy who made it the first time. Uh, that's Cold Pursuit and Gloria Bell. Movies in which someone in modern times pulls King Arthur's sword Excalibur from a stone. The kid who would be king and Hellboy. Anyway, the list goes on and on. But I just thought these were like very, <laughs> these are very funny little comparisons. And uh, I actually really enjoy this list. It helps me kind of contextualize the year and be like, oh, wow, yeah, those movies did have a lot in common, which uh, I don't know if you know is a, is a long-running bit on the show that I like to do. So, uh, But anyway, let's get to the top 10, gents. So we are going to start with Devendra's number 10 movie of 2019. Devendra? Sure. Speaking of wild cards and tiny movies, my number 10 is Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> what made the list? It's on the list. Like, honestly, I was a little bit debating it, but I have to say, like, I I've talked a lot about why I didn't like Infinity War and why it didn't work as a movie for me. But I genuinely enjoyed Endgame. And I think this movie deserves credit for doing something like huge, like wrapping up this decade long series that we've been following across several movies. Um, a certain other franchise couldn't even, you know, wrap up two movies properly. So. I, I don't know. That's uh, it's more impressive know, looking Terminator at Terminator Dark Fate wasn't that. <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I, oh, man. Sad to say, I enjoyed the Terminator movie more than the SW movie. That. Whoa. <laughs> I need to think about this. Uh, I know we've, yeah. we've spent uh, four hours on on recorded time uh, <laughs> slagging that movie and no, nobody needs us to do more. But yeah, I will good. say. I, I read a great uh, I read a great <laughs> and, and along these very lines I read a great uh, post in our own Slack filmcast channel somebody said um, the, the the feeling that you get at the end of Avengers Endgame uh, with that last tracking shot uh, mm-hmm. with all of the actors who've been in you know that feeling of like wow they really we've really gone through something we've really experienced <laughs> this you know decade long you know, yeah. marvel we movie are in thing. mourning like, as a fan base like it is yeah, it we, is so we, like collective yeah that like that 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 feeling of being part of something and that's wrapped up and it just like put a button on it like that was completely missing in that other movie and it's it's a, such a shame you know it's a shame anyway i really enjoyed avengers so yeah that's why it's my number 10 all right also as we're talking about this i should point out a, a couple of things about the list as well uh in terms of the format of this countdown we've tried it a few different ways before but none of us actually know what our top 10s are so like we are yes. we are discovering i don't even know what my time. own is <laughs> jeff is literally writing the list as i speak right now uh and so <laughs> I'm watching movies right now <laughs> I mean, that so, was me this whole morning, too. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, just FYI. And also, we are going to try, despite what you just heard, we are going to try not to spoil the movies that we count down. <laughs> um, so, just know that, like, in general, there's not, not going to be spoilers for these movies, although there will be basic plot details. So, just keep all that in mind. All right. Jeff Kanata, your number 10. My number 10 is 
Dolomite is my name. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, which is a movie I did not see until very recently, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed. I am so down for the Murph uh, <laughs> which is, which is happening now we are in it. Um, man, that episode of Saturday night live that he finally hosted after 30 years, I found delightful. I know it's problematic for some, but man, as a, somebody who watched the best of SNL, Eddie Murphy compilation yeah. VHS tape, like over and over and over as a kid, it was, it was great. Anyway, it, it was a dream come true episode of SNL for sure. It yeah. really was wild. It was like, he did every, all the bits, all the bits. Anyway. Um, so I'm so glad he's kind of returning to being a guy. And it seems to me that he's taking jobs, taking projects that are a little more interesting than the, you know, the, uh, the fat suit roles and the yeah, haunted yeah. man, you know, the, the things that have been sort of shovelware <laughs> in the past. Uh, and Dolomite is my name is a prime example of that. This is a really interesting movie. Uh, I'm not sure how historically accurate it is, or it kind of, it kind of paints everybody as being awesome, but you know, it's such a fun ride with fun characters and, it really feels to me like, oh God, what was the movie um, about the making of the room? Uh, the Disaster Artist. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It, to, to me, it's like the Yang to the Disaster Artist's Yin, uh, where the Disaster Artist is sort of a cautionary tale about self-delusion, and Dolomite is my name is like what happens when your self delusion pays off, <laughs> you know, and you're like, no, I won't take no for an answer. And, uh, all the, you know, my, my, uh, brazen naivete and, and, uh, lack of understanding about the basic structure of how this industry works. Well, it worked out in my favor instead of disaster artists where it's like, Oh, sir, please, you've made something terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is a delightful movie to watch and Eddie Murphy is great in it. So is Wesley Snipes, uh, I, I had a lot of fun with Dolomite is my name yeah. and it made no my number 10. I have to say this movie also gives me a lot of hope for coming to America too, because Eddie Murphy was just like, let's just get this whole crew. Let's get Craig Brewer. Let's bring on Wesley Snipes. Like, let's do this again. Let's have fun making come to America too. I cannot wait for that thing. Speaking of SNL related connections, uh, the movie actually Dolomite reminds me most of is Brigsby bear. You ever see the uh, 2017 movie Brigsby bear with Dave McCary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes. what that movie uh, was about in a lot of ways was like the joy of making things, right? The joy of making films specifically. And uh, or in, in that case, I think it was like a show. But anyway, uh, I got some Brigsby Bear flashbacks when I was watching Dolomite is my name. And uh, that's that's what I remember most about Dolomite is like that. It's really about the joy of, of participating in this uh, crazy thing they called filmmaking. And uh, and I really appreciate <laughs> it for that reason. So, uh, great choice for Jeff's number 10. It's Dolomite is my name. All right. Let's get to my number 10. Uh, so, for my number 10, uh, I have actually felt a lot of anxiety about my top 10 list for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and so, I've been, like, paranoid of, hey, d- am I including the right things? Did I, did I watch all the things I needed to watch? Uh, so, the last week, I've been mainlining all these movies that, like, uh, I didn't have a chance to get to that have been making people's top 10 lists. And many Me of the too. movies um, didn't actually make it onto my top 10. So that, that felt like <laughs> they were good movies, but they weren't good enough to be my top 10. But one of them did. And I actually watched it this morning. 
at 9 a.m. before oh, wow. I recorded this before we recorded this, uh, I I had got I got home at 2 a.m. last night from New Year's Eve festivities, and this morning watched it at 9 a.m. and it bumped off the lighthouse from my number 10, um, and this is my new number 10, which is I lost my body. Uh, hmm. So I don't know if you've heard of this movie, I lost my body, mm-hmm. but it's directed by Jeremy Clapin. Uh, it's an animated movie that you can stream right now on Netflix, and it's about a hand that gets uh, cut off from its body, like literally cut off, and the hand spends most of the film trying to make its way back to its its human body. Very much and, doing the Adams Family thing. Yeah, basically. yeah. Very, yeah. It's, it's basically a whole if, the imagine story if thing. The whole movie yeah. was about uh, is it cousin it or no? It's thing. Thing. It's sorry, thing. sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. So thing. It's about thing basically. Uh, now, I was actually a huge fan of Jeremy Clapin's short film Skitsign, uh, and that short, what that short film has in common with this movie is that uh, Jeremy Clapin is really good at imagining what a mental condition would make you feel like, and then making that thing literal. Uh, and I, in the case of I Lost My Body, I won't reveal like what the hand represents in this character's life. But what I will say is this movie is bold and original and moving. I watched a lot of movies in the last few weeks just to get ready for both the Seattle Film Critics Awards and for this uh, recording. And many of those movies, I got like 20, 30 minutes into it and I was like, this is going to be a slog for the rest of the movie. You know, like, I'm just like, this is not really for me. It's not going to be my top 10, but I have to finish it because I want to be able to talk about it and say I've seen it. This was not one of those movies. This I started watching it, and I'm like engrossed. I can't wait uh, for the next scene. The scene cuts back and forth. The, the movie cuts back and forth between two uh, portions in time, and uh, I, I'm just like, I, I want to see what happens next. I just thought it was great, and there's nothing else like it this year. I'd highly encourage you to check out my number 10 movie, I Lost My Body, on Netflix right now. All right, uh, let's move to number nines. Devinder Harder, what's your number nine? My number nine is Ad Astra by James Gray. Now, I know you guys didn't really care for this movie, so, uh, you know, it's fine. I get it. Uh, This is a sort of like, to me, like a quiet science fiction movie that does some tremendous world building, uh, has some fantastic characters, and I think says a lot about the human condition and kind of our place in the world and our place in the universe. I think this movie just really worked for me on many, many levels. And I just showed it to my wife and she really enjoyed it too. It is a very specific thing. It's a very like slow going film and very methodical, but it is so beautiful. And to me, um, sharply written, maybe not like warmly written. It is a very cold movie, but I just kind of love the way James Gray builds his worlds. I've loved so many of his movies up until this point. So I guess it's not too surprising, but yeah, that's why Ad Astra is my number nine. Uh, Jeff, uh, can you remind me what your opinion was on this film? I, I don't quite remember. I really liked a lot of it. I just felt the end completely lets the movie down. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah that's and, right. Yeah. But I, I thought there was I – mean, there are sequences in it that are some of the most memorable sequences of the year. The the moon sequence, for example. Moon shootout. Yeah. Oh, so amazing. It was very good. Yeah. Um, and, and there's some imagery in it and the sort of matter-of-fact nature of how it, it – imagines you know day after tomorrow future uh i there's a lot of stuff to like about ad astra i just felt like the movie's last you know i don't know fifth is is so disappointing and such a letdown to the themes and it just didn't it didn't leave me with a good taste in my mouth unfortunately it didn't make me reflect on all the other things i liked on it 
uh, as as highly as as I would have if it didn't feel like it let me down. Yeah, I, I, I'm really glad you like the different. I agree with Jeff. There are some really memorable sequences in this film. Uh, but for me, it felt like James Gray brought a sledgehammer when what he needed was a scalpel uh, in terms of conveying some of the themes of this movie. Uh, so it's, it's a mixed bag for me, but it, it's a solid choice for a number nine. Ad Astra, I know a lot of people love this movie. Uh, that's Devendra's number nine film of 2019. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on your number nine film of 2019? My number nine film is a movie I watched last night. It is Jojo Rabbit. Mm. Oh, nice. Uh, this is um, such a unique, wonderful film. Uh, I'm such a fan of Taika Waititi. I think when we originally um, uh, reviewed, what is it? The, something of the Wilderbeast? What is it? Um, Hunt for the Wilderbeast? Yeah, Hunt, Hunt for, for the, the Wilder people. For the Wilder people, yeah. yeah. Wilder people, yes. Hunt for the Wilder people. I I just didn't feel that movie. I didn't. I I know you guys is, were both still very today to this day is shocking to me, Jeff. Like that movie feels like it was formulated in a lab to be consumed <laughs> and loved by you. It's astounding. I know. Yeah. It's very strange that I it just didn't work for me. But I feel like this movie, Jojo Rabbit, was what I was hoping for from that movie. I mean, it, it is also about a child, and it, 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 he's so Taika Waititi is so masterful at directing kids uh, it seems based on these two films um because the performances in both are great and the understanding of sort of how a kid behaves and and being inside a kid's experience even one that <laughs> fantasizes about being a nazi you know is is so interesting i love the color of this movie the, the it's vibrant colors in this film uh the way it's shot is lovely and it, it has a great message it is wonderful satire in in it almost feels monty python-esque you know it is so broad and interesting and yet so incisive you know it is it it really gets at its subject matter in a uh, effective way but does it in a very broad kind of goofy manner i really enjoyed watching jojo rabbit and it is my number nine great choice for number nine that's jojo rabbit all right uh, why don't we get to my number nine? Uh, my number nine movie of 2019 is Marriage Story. Uh, so Marriage Story is ironically titled because it's really about what happens when a marriage unravels, when it gets sucked into the gears of divorce. It takes on its own life and becomes a series of escalating decisions that you can't really escape from. Uh, but beyond that, Marriage Story is just an exceptionally made drama. It features two of the best lead performances of the year. We've already talked about in our review, the production design does so much to communicate things about the characters. And as Jeff indicated, the blocking is really well done. Expert blocking in this movie. Uh, so all in all, a gut-wrenching look at what happens when things fall apart. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, we We obviously have very different interpretations of this movie and what it is about. <laughs> and you can listen to our review if you want to hear that dialogue. That's the sign of a good movie yeah. where you can argue about it and still love it. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. I, mean, I think that's, it's a sign of great art when it can provoke strong reactions of differing interpretations, I think. Uh, so anyway, that's why it's my number nine movie of the year. It's marriage story. Uh, before we move on, uh, Devendra, why don't we thank our sponsor, for this episode of the Slash Filmcast. 
For sure. Our sponsor this week is Feels. They are a premium CBD company that delivers CBD right to your doorstep. And I found I've been using CBD products for years uh, to help with anxiety and stress and just like to relax because New York is a is a crazy place. And I do travel a lot, too. It's been so helpful for traveling. Whenever I go to the airport, I usually use a bit of CBD. Feels has been the best I've used so far. It's super convenient because it can it gets shipped right to my door. Um, you could choose different levels of uh, strength. So you'll find what works for you. They have um, some phone support and tech support to help you figure things out too, which is all super useful because I think the big problem with CBD for a lot of folks is that it's just stuff you find at like the front of the grocery store and you never know how great anything is, what the quality is. Feels is generally high quality and I really dig that. It's super easy to take. Um, I just place a few drops under my tongue and just like let it sit for a few moments. It's like a really nice instant response for stress relieving. So for me, it's been a great way to feel better naturally. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate feels just because it makes acquiring super high quality CBD so useful. And I should note, uh, I'm going to read a disclaimer from their website. Representations regarding the efficacy and safety of fields have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The FDA only evaluates food and drugs, not supplements like this product. This product is not intended to diagnose, prevent, treat, or cure any disease. And I think, as always, if you're wondering about this stuff, talk to your doctors about it. Um, I've had really great luck with CBD, um, especially for anything that induces anxiety. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash filmcast, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash filmcast to become a member and get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash filmcast. All right, let's get to our number eight movies. Uh, Devinder Hardwar, your number eight film of the year. My number eight is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And this one is probably cheating a bit because I pretty much think uh, nobody outside of New York and L.A. will be able to see this until uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, but I saw this a couple of weeks ago in a very limited run here. Um, and this movie is astounding. It's a story of two women, a painter who is sent to secretly paint a portrait of somebody uh, on, an, on an island in Brittany off of France. And it is it is the story of their budding relationship and how they feel about each other. It's one of the most beautiful films that I've ever seen. The cinematography is astounding. And this is a movie that has embedded itself deep into my heart. I can't stop thinking about it. So, yeah, be sure to check it out. And hopefully we could talk more about it once this thing gets released. Awesome choice. Uh, number eight, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It is unfortunate that most people won't be able to see that movie until next year, but keep an eye out for it. The fact that yeah. one or more people on this podcast might have put it in their top 10 should indicate to you that Portrait of a Lady on Fire is very, very good. Okay. Uh, Jeff Kanata, you're number eight. My number eight is The Lighthouse. What do you call that? Sir? What? I mopped and swept twice over. Ye lion dog. I swept them. Kids begrimed and bedabbled. Unwiped, unwashed, and disdained. It's some kind of purr out of molesting me. Come now. I already says. How dare ye contradict me, ye dog? Now look here. I ain't never intended to be no housewife nor slave in taking this job. And it ain't right. 
These lodges is more ramshackle than any shanty boys camp I ever seen. The Queen of England's old fancy housekeeper couldn't even done no better than what I done. Because I tell you, I scrubbed this here place twice over. And I say you did nothing of the sort. And I say you swab it again and you swab it proper like this time. And you'll be swabbing it ten times more after that. Made me sad to hear that it got bumped off your list, David, because uh, it made it all the way up to number eight for me. Um, This is a movie unlike any other. (laughs) It is a descent into madness. If you want to watch a movie where characters just descend into madness, it's like there's an old Ren and Stimpy cartoon called Space Space Madness. Madness. Yes. This is Space Madness transposed to to a little island in the the sea. Um, But what an experience. I do not think, I I think this movie had the ability to get even higher on my list uh, but for some strange choices. I I do not (laughs) think this movie is better because it is four by three. Um, I, I like the black and white photography in it, but the four by three, I, I found to be off-putting. Perhaps it is supposed to make us feel claustrophobic as the yes. characters do and, and confined. <laughs> eh, okay. I, it's, I, I found it to be a bad choice. Um, but the performances from both Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, and this is a true two-hander. I mean, it is a true two-hander. This is two actors acting. And I've said on Twitter, if anybody wins the Academy Award and it isn't for best actor, I guess he's up for supporting uh, and it isn't Willem Dafoe, it's invalid because <laughs> it is the most incredible filmic performance of the year, I, I think. And his I mean, he's doing stuff in it. I, I mean, if you can if you can, I don't want to spoil anything, but if you can deliver a monologue with dirt being thrown on you, you are, <laughs> you, I mean, you deserve You're an being award thrown onto your face and into your mouth. That is yes, something. Yes, yes. That is something. Uh, I have to say, Robert Eggers, like this guy is making movies like kind of like nobody else right now, too. Like The Witch is a very strange sort of supernatural movie. And I loved how yeah. like authentic the accents were. Uh, Dave, you grew up in New England. I grew up in, the Engl- in New England. Uh, there is a very authentic sounding like a many accent coming from Willem Dafoe in this movie. Like, I just love hearing that because you don't normally hear this stuff outside of like tiny little New England, you know, towns. It's extraordinary. His, his performance, his vocal performance, the writing of his dialogue is it's, it's like watching Shakespeare. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's so. Oh, I can't wait for the stage renditions of this. It's be amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. If you love language, you're going to love this movie. And I am someone who loves language. And he, I mean, he delivers these, these incredible sweeping monologues, uh, you know, and Willem, I mean, uh, and, uh, Robert Pattinson is, is, is very good, but he is, you know, dwarfed, I think by this performance, it is, uh, quite something to watch. This movie is an experience unlike anything else I had this year. And it certainly deserved to be my number eight. Also, just uh, for the record, I think you're you're largely correct about the 4 by 3 aspect ratio. I did pull up uh, an interview that Robert Eggers did explaining it. He says, quote, it's an old-timey <clears throat> aspect ratio, so on a very surface level, it helps make the movie look old. It's also a better shape for photographing vertical objects like a lighthouse tower, and it's better for conveying cramped interiors and claustrophobia. Uh, sometimes when Robert Pattinson and William Dafoe are in a two-shot, it is cramped, it's tight, and I like that, end quote. So... Uh, that's just just defending the decision, Jeff. I know you're not oh, a fan I, of it, but yeah, I'm yeah, I'm yeah. certain that it was for artistic re- reasons, and I he is the artist here, and you have to respect that. I didn't feel like it made the movie 
better for me. I, I kept imagining what it would have been like because the movie is beautifully photographed. I mean, it, it is this wonderful black and white imagery and I wanted it to fill my entire screen. I wanted to, yeah, to yeah. see it. Um, yeah. I have to so, say it makes more sense for this movie just because of the old timiness of it compared to something like uh, maybe American Honey, which is also four by three and a beautiful movie, but a beautiful modern movie. And it always felt weird that that movie wasn't more expansive. Wow, we're just we're just complaining about four by three movies now, huh? Is that what this podcast hey, it's, is evolved into? It's fine. Into? It's fine. We you just, just want to use all. You really our had TVs. to get that off your chest, out of your Um But uh, <laughs> in, in any case, I agree with you. This movie is great, and uh, it's a very very weird movie. Um, I did see this movie with my wife, and we do quote the line very often. You're <laughs> fond of me lobster, ain't you? Um, which is like, which is uh, yeah. like whenever like. Uh, you know, I cook for her or vice versa, you know, we'll, we'll like, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll pull that line out cause it's pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Willem Dafoe is, is incredible and deserves all the awards for this movie. So that's the lighthouse. It's Jeff's number eight. My number eight film of the year is Jojo Rabbit. It's, uh, the one that Jeff just said for his number nine. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I really appreciated this movie. I, it imagines world war two from the perspective of a lonely child, uh, and invites us to ask, what is it that causes people to be seduced by monstrous political ideologies? Um, as we discussed in our review of Jojo Rabbit, I think it's totally reasonable for anyone to have any number of negative reactions to this film for a variety of reasons. Um, but for me, I did find it very moving. And it's the second movie that Scarlett Johansson is in on my top 10, uh, where she puts in an, an awesome performance, I thought, with with not very much material in this movie. So uh, I think it's great. I think it's great, and uh, I liked it a lot. So it's Jojo Rabbit, my number eight. Let's get to number sevens. Divinia Hordor, your number seven movie of 2019. Sure. My number seven is Midsommar. <sighs> what time is it? It's 9 p.m. <sighs> what do you mean? What do you mean? That can't be right. The sky is blue. It's fine. It's Sweden. That's not fine. Why is it like that? It's okay, Mark. It's the midnight sun. That feels wrong. I don't like that. I promise you it's okay. I'm not okay. Oh, fuck. It's a new person. What? I don't want new people right now. No, new people are good, Mark. Hi, hi. I'm just going to lay down, okay? Yeah, do that. Everybody else lay down. Guys, do it. It feels so nice. Josh, can you lie down, please? Can you feel that? The energy coming up from the earth? And I think just like uh, just like how I was talking about, like Robert Eggers making very strange movies, uh, Ari Aster is making a very specific type of uh, family horror, you know, like it's just or like relationship oriented horror. Um, I liked the Midsummer theatrical cut, but I just saw the director's cut, which is pretty much three hours long and it fleshes out the central relationship. It just adds a bit more to the weirdness. And I think that whole cut, like just seeing the full context of that story is it's a masterpiece. I love it. It is the story about, you know, a couple who shouldn't be together 
going on a trip that they shouldn't be going on together and things devolve into madness there too. But it's also so beautiful and so like, so poetic at times. Uh, I just adored it. And the longer cut just makes it even better. That's why it's my number seven. I think this has been a really good year for Florence Pugh, right? Who plays such a good year. The protagonist in that movie. She was in that movie. She was in fighting with my family. She's also in little woman, uh, she's had a great year, and I she is going to be uh, a person to watch going forward in terms of. Yeah, she was in the uh, the Park Chan Wook TV series last year too, like the uh, the little drummer girl, and not many people saw that. Like, it's fine, it's a fine like spy type thing, but she is very good in it. So it's like just a countdown until this uh, this woman wins an Oscar. Yeah, and she is yeah. super young. It too. is it's a countdown. Insane. Yeah, she's yeah. like twenty three years old. It's it's a countdown until she wins an Oscar. She's going to do great. She's going to be in Black Widow next year. So uh, yeah. I think there's a pretty high floor in terms of how badly a Marvel film can do at the box office. So I think that's, that's <laughs> probably going to be her first like big uh, blockbuster movie. So looking forward to seeing her uh, get more into the spotlight because she is very, very talented. So that's The Avengers number seven. It's Midsommar. Hey, Jeff, did you have a chance to see this movie? Because I think we did the review without you no. on this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, right. Because not, you're like, no. uh, why would I want to put myself through that? Right. I think. Um, I was yeah I was a little uh, I was a little uh, uh, scaredy cat about this one. Indeed, indeed. All right, Jeff, what's your number seven? My number seven is The Irishman. What an experience this movie is as well. I don't think it is the film that Goodfellas is, uh, but it is certainly I think belongs in that Scorsesean oeuvre. It is a it is an interesting next chapter, an interesting late career chapter in Scorsese's career and seeing his, his, his troop, his acting troupe, uh, reunited, uh, Joe Pesci puts in an incredible performance here. Uh, and De Niro reminds me what made him so great. Uh, after years, I think of, of toiling in some, you know, less than stellar work. He puts in another De Niro experience kind of performance. And, uh, and Pacino is great. It's, it's fun to watch. It reminds, as I said in our review, it reminds me, uh, of my Italian American heritage, uh, in interesting ways with food and the way people look in this movie and how they dress and the kinds of places they live in. Um, so it resonates for me personally on an interesting level. Uh, and it is a long experience, but I think it earns that length and the final tense sequence of this movie that is also quite lengthy, I was on the edge of my seat. It is it is masterfully constructed and uh, uh, well worth seeing, well worth spending the time. And and I'm so thankful that Netflix made this movie happen because it is one of the best experiences that I had watching a movie this year and my number six. All right. Uh, Sorry, number seven. Seven, yeah, seven. number seven. A great choice for number seven. Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, my number seven is Honeyland. Now, I don't know if uh, you all have had a chance to look into this movie a little bit more after I brought it up a few weeks ago on the podcast, but yeah. Basically, this... the, way, what you, the way you described it made us both not want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm doing a bad job, Jeff. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I really like this movie. It's available on video on demand right now, first of all. And it tells us a, a very small story about two neighbors in a remote area of the Macedonian mountains trying to survive in the modern world. Uh, but the implications it has are staggering. I think this movie is really a metaphor for humankind's dependence on nature and what happens when we upset the delicate balance. 
so I'm a huge fan of it. It's, it's like the visuals are incredible. The fact that they were able to get this footage is incredible. Uh, it's a remarkable documentary achievement. I would definitely check it out uh, on video on demand right now. The movie is Honeyland. It's time for our number sixes. Divinia Hardor, what's your number six? Oh, my number six is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So tell us what you loved about this movie. I know this is a movie that like it has made many critics top 10 lists and even their number ones of the year. So what mm-hmm. did you yeah. love most about Once Upon a Time? I think it is um, like this is a chill movie. This is a hangout movie. And right now in New York City, it is freezing cold. I, I Sometimes I just need an escape. I just rewatched this movie with my wife and the like just vibe of it hanging out with these characters, I think, is just feels good. It, it's it's like feeling the warmth of like, you know, Los Angeles sun on your skin while watching this movie. And I think it's a great story about like aging actors and them trying to find their value over time. Um, you know, it's a great it's a really interesting story. It's a really hard movie to kind of convey because uh, on the one hand, it sort of seems like it's about nothing. It is about this aging actor and his best friend just like hanging out and they happen to live next door to Roman Polanski and shit goes down like that's that's the movie. But I think there's a lot going on underneath the surface. There's a lot of love for classic Hollywood, which I don't particularly have. But I think it is to me, it's really nice to see Tarantino just like show his love to something. This feels like a very warm movie, which is not something we typically see from him. So yeah, that's why I do it. I just love hanging out in this film. All right. And that's why that's Devendra's number six, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Jeff Kanata, what is your number six? Well, at the at the risk of frustrating everybody else on this podcast, <clears throat> my number six is Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> why why would you say frustrating everyone else jeff why do you, why do you say that? at least it's up there jeff at least it's I, on your list you know <laughs> oh i love i love this movie i i certainly didn't love it i think it, as much as the two of you but it is this is a fun wild roller coaster ride of a movie with awesome ideas great performances it, it is one of the one of those experiences where you you sit there or at least i sat in the movie theater not having any idea where we were headed, just surprised and delighted by every new twist and turn. And there are several in this film. Um, and the, the characters are endearing and interesting. Their decisions are quirky and unexpected. It is fun. And I, you know, very famously on the show had a nitpick about the ending, which has frustrated both my co-hosts and lots of our audience, uh, but it still did not leave me feeling like it was my favorite movie of the year or any higher than number six, but number six is pretty darn good. And this is a movie that I have recommended to so many people, so many people I, I during the holidays, especially when I'm seeing friends and family that I don't see regularly. And they know that I do a movie podcast. They ask me, well, you know, what are some great movies? I always bring up Parasite because it's likely the movie that people haven't heard of, or if they have, they didn't know if they should go see it because they didn't really know what it was. And I say, just go, don't look at anything about it. Just go and you will be delighted and you'll be taken on a ride. And that's what Parasite is. Um, So it is my number six. All right. Great choice for number six. Obviously a movie that Devinder and I really loved and uh, appreciate that it made your list, Jeff. Uh, My number six movie of the year is The Irishman. Uh, Jeff's number seven. Let me put McGee on the phone. Hello? 
Hey, my friend, how are you? Listen, I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I'm gonna put him on the phone and let you talk to him, okay? Right. Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, yeah. Glad to meet you. Well, glad to meet you, too. Even if it's over the phone. I heard you paint houses. Yes, yes, sir, I, I do. I do, and I, uh, I also do my own carpentry. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I understand you're a brother of mine. Yes, sir. Local 107, since 1947. Yeah. You know, uh, our friend speaks very highly of you. Thank you. He's not an easy man to please. Well, I do my best. And I think that The Irishman feels like Martin Scorsese's response to the gangster film genre, including the ones he himself has made. It's about how time comes for us all in the end and how when that happens, all you'll have left is knowledge of how all the decisions you've made have led you to that point. Um, Even though movies like Goodfellas and Casino came down squarely on the side of crime destroying lives, including those of its protagonists, I, I still feel like they made the life of a gangster look really uh, intoxicating and at times appealing. Not so with the Irishman. Uh, the violence in the Irishman is rote. It's even boring. And the demands, uh, the the compromises that the the main character needs to make are are monstrous you know the it's it's really upsetting what he is asked to do and what he ends up doing and that is what i think makes kind of the soul of this film why it's my my number six is because it feels like really reckoning with what these people's lives are and when i say these people i mean gangsters specifically and um all of like this movie is squarely about all the downsides of being a gangster, I think. Right? <laughs> I, I think that's like it is, one. It is funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny in his older age too. Like Scorsese is slowing down and like taking a deeper look at these things he's covered before. I feel like even Silence is sort of that movie. It's just such a, like a slow burn look at like belief and what that can do to you as a person. Yeah, uh, I mean, even in his uh, later years, Martin Scorsese remains a vital filmmaker who is contributing greatly to. Not only the, uh, the the filmmaking landscape, but also the discourse around it. I mean, he, you know, few people know more about filmmaking than him, and uh, so it, it's a great film. It's The Irishman, and it's in- it's just interesting also that like we're at this moment right now where the way that that movie can exist is on streaming, right? Mm-hmm. And I think if yeah. you rewound time. Um, five years or maybe fast forward to five years or, or, you know, whatever, like it might not be able to like, I, I guess I just wonder like um, basically the, the backstory behind the Irishman is uh, I think Paramount didn't want to take a chance on it. Right. The, this movie's costs, I think roughly $200 million. And they're like, we don't think this movie is going to make back enough money to justify investing $200 million plus ever and so on. Um, and I mean, who who knows what would have happened? But I think they were probably right about that in the sense that I don't I don't know that this movie would have made hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office. Uh, right, maybe right. it would have. I don't know. I don't know. But I I I think it was far from a sure thing. Certainly because of its relatively somber tone. Um, 
And also, you know, like a lot of unproven things like the, the de-aging technology, who knows if that would have worked? Like it, I think mm-hmm. overall it does work. Uh, there are moments for me, when it doesn't. I, that know, was but. probably a lot of the cost too, because they were working on this movie for a lot for a long time. Like yeah. we've been hearing so much about it. So like that is a strong hint that a lot of that is just pre-production and like the work on the visual effects to make yeah. that work. Um, I think you could have done this movie without that. Like it would have been a different movie. But you, you, you know, hired we, we different actors to play the younger self. Just do what movies have done forever, <laughs> you know, and that would have been very different. Maybe it would have been less poignant. But honestly, even to my eyes, like I don't, I don't necessarily see the huge. Um, uh, I, the, the I guess, age like, difference, I don't, right? Like it's yeah, not, yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. between like forty something De Niro and like you know the very old De Niro certainly, but like there you don't see him super young, so it's not like we're taking this technology to like as far as like somehow. Some have some of the Marvel movies have in short bursts. Uh, yeah. The key is this is happening for most of this movie, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I guess the point I was making is just like in five years from now, I just don't see Netflix making these bets. You know, like we've already seen them starting to tighten up a lot, right? They've been canceling shows left and right. Uh, shows that uh, in other circumstances, like when they first launched, they would have given years for these shows to find an audience. Now they're like canceling shows left and right. Um, I, I, I assume they're going to start uh, investing less money uh, in these huge, huge kind of blockbuster scale movies. Who knows? Um, but I, I do think they're going to start to feel it on Wall Street a little bit more as well. Like, I, I don't know how much higher their stock can get um, given mm-hmm. the, uh, the sheer rate of burn that they have in terms of like spending. Uh, so I, I guess I'm just, I just feels to me like the Irishman is this moment in time where like, Hey, it, it feels like a transitional moment between the old studio system and the new streaming reality where um, the old system, you know, would have made, made a bet on something like this would have made a cat's like bet on something like this and then see it fail horribly. Um, you, you mean the old system of like the seventies and the eighties? <laughs> no, I mean what, right. what I'm, I'm yeah. referring to like Universal <laughs> Studios uh, betting a hundred million dollars on Cats and that movie doing really right, badly. Right. Like uh, you know, Paramount could have bet two hundred million dollars on this movie and then it made you know eighty million domestically and they would have not uh, liked that as a business prospect. Um, but they didn't do that because it, we're like it feels like we're transitioning out of this system of movies that are you know, relatively original properties. It's based on a book, but you know, it's not like uh Marvel comics and then moving into a new system where like, you know, um, a lot of these movies are made by streaming companies. And, uh, but at, that being said, who knows how long that's going to last. And I don't know if in five years they would make a movie like the Irishman, uh, who knows, but it's, it's a unique moment in time. And, uh, I think that that's also something that's captured in this movie as well, just like from a business perspective. So that's why it's my number six. Uh, I mean, not that, that's why it's my number six. Like it's my number six because (laughs) of all the amazing things about the movie. Uh, but it also happens to indicate all these things about the industry as well. Number five. Before, before we get to number five, maybe we should speculate on what our number ones are going to be for each other. All right. Yeah. It's a fun game. Well, uh, you, you know what, Jeff? You know what, Jeff? Uh, can we do this after one more choice? <laughs> okay. uh, it'll make sense. It'll make no. sense. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're halfway through the list. I uh, don't know. Yeah, it feels like the right place to do it, Dave. All right, fine. I'm just going to go out with my number five right now, then, which is because my I, I think my number five, okay. Jeff, is your number one movie. <laughs> 
Uh, well, and, there you go. And I'm actually, you know, I was going to, I was going to wait until you, you I, know, feel, we, I feel like well, you could have predicted this, Dave, without even blowing your number five, but yeah, okay. You don't have to keep do going. that. You can just <laughs> predict it and then say what your number five is. But my number five, my number five is Avengers Endgame. Uh, okay. which is what I predict will be your number one. So, okay. Devenger, what do you think my number one is going to be? <laughs> uh, I also think Avengers Endgame, but now okay. it sounds like you're trying to trick us. So yeah. I don't know. What and is Dave, I think your number one is Parasite. So, yeah. Yeah. I think both of your number ones is Parasite. Mm. Mm. I think mm. Devendra's might be Little Woman is my guess based on ah. conversations we've had. But that's, yeah. If so, his number one is Little Women and you guys are like, ah, you don't need to see it. I'll be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I, first of all, I never said you didn't need to see it, Jeff. I was just saying, said, please, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Jeff, I was referring not to any movie specifically. I was just saying <laughs> you, you don't need to kill yourself to make this episode of the show. Uh-huh. Um, although, although if you had to kill yourself for one movie, it probably would have been. <laughs> although if you had to kill yourself, would have been Little Woman. Okay. Devendra, what's your number five? My number five is Hustlers. Yeah. I think this movie, I, I think this movie kind of came out of nowhere to be a really poignant take on modern society, um, the financial crisis and class struggles. Um, but also this movie stars, uh, Jennifer Lopez in like a blazing, incredible role. Like not since, uh, out of sight, uh, has she been this great and electric on screen and Constance Wu, Julie Stiles, like everybody in this movie is just amazing. Like this movie does such a great job of building up this relationship between these two women working in a strip club, but also them like trying to claw their way into a little bit of success and, you know, leads them down a bad way. But I think it's very like, it's still a very compassionate movie about these women and like their struggles and why they kind of end up doing what they're doing. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Cannot get out of my head. Um, I cannot wait to rewatch this too. Cause I feel like my wife will love this thing. So that's why it's my number five. All right. Dangerous number five is Hustlers. Jeff Kanata, your number five. My number five is Avengers Endgame. Oh, shit. What? Oh, shit. I'm in shock right now. <laughs> I mean, uh, are yeah. you joking? Are you messing with me? No. I think it's le- this was Jeff like five. actively working against his Marvel standing. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, my I get God. It. All right. It's... Uh... Which which it's is my number five, five too. It's so it's my number five too. So we can talk. We can both talk about it. But that's go ahead. why you yeah. said, uh, "Can we do it after we do number five? And I went, "No, we can't," <laughs> <laughs> because it would have ruined the whole thing. Okay. Well, now I'm really curious thing. what your number one is. This is not because I don't love this movie. I mean, this is I I adore this movie. I think it is it is it does something that is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, I consider the infinity saga if we can call it that the most incredible cinematic achievement of all time i think yes there are films in there that are have varying qualities but the fact that there is one cohesive story with almost an unwavering cast i mean there are a couple of roles here or there that are swapped out yes that's true but for the most part some of the greatest actors in the history of the cinema, certainly a, 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 a cast that is of the greatest actors working today across multiple genres, across, you know, a variety of characters that should never have even earned a place on the big screen. If you were, you know, if you're asking me as a 15 year old, what characters I thought would ever make it onto the big screen and then to bring them together. 
in a two-part film that ends on such an emotional... I mean, we all left... Well, not we all. I was very confident, but you guys both were very, uh, you know, very... <laughs> Uh, express some doubts about how it could be possible sure, to do sure. what they did at the end of Infinity War and and then <laughs> make that actually land with any weight whatsoever. And the fact that the whole first hour of this movie is dealing with that on a very powerful level and it still has time to ha be exciting and have set pieces that are amazing and do things that are unexpected and take you to places you didn't think. And then ends in this crescendo and the denouement at the end landed with me. It, it is an amazing thing that this movie actually stuck the landing and, and uh, created a satisfying conclusion to 25 plus movies. That is, how do you even do that? How do you even start that? Mm -hmm. uh, let alone, you know, start, uh, you know, fade in on the satisfying conclusion of a decade of stuff and yet to do it so well and make it actually feel like a cinematic movie, not just a big popcorn movie. Yes. There's big popcorn stuff that happens in it, but it, this feels like a weighty, interesting, important movie that also has time to have fun and be goofy with Thor and all this stuff and step back through, you know, the make all the history matter. I love this movie. And I don't mean at all to diminish it by putting it at number five, <laughs> but I know you, just you guys love other things more. Way. I yeah. just feel like, you know, when you, when I make these, yes, they are my favorite movies, but there's also, when you make a list like this, at least when I do, it, it, it feels like th there is, uh, you guys kind of talked about suggesting things to people or, uh, admiring cinema in ways that you know a billion dollar movie kind of already has that uh made me push it down slightly i think it, it, it there are movies that i am more um impressed with on a di in a different way and more uh i think are more sort of award worthy than this and but it, but it's not to dim diminish my true and everlasting love for avengers endgame Wow. Well, I, I am just completely in shock uh, because, I mean, this movie is great. It's my it's my number five as well, right? And uh, also, Jeff, minor correction: there's only been twenty three uh, uh, Marvel oh, films. Uh, so, thank you. Um, of which this is the twenty third, I believe. And uh, I can't wait to get that twenty three discs <laughs> Infinity Saga Blu-ray set. Uh, looking forward to that, but. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think, um, it's not only a huge accomplishment from a filmmaking standpoint, cause like the movie itself is quite enjoyable, but also from a film producing standpoint. I mean, if this year has shown us anything, it's that having a vision and a plan to guide your multi-film franchise is really important. And the fact that they had one and were able to execute on it is really impressive. Uh, I, I loved, I, I mean, when I think back of like notable moments of the slash filmcast for me, in my mind, in my head canon, I think about like our conversation about uh, Infinity War and how like I left the theater feeling really cheated when I, when I watched Infinity War, right? Of, of like, oh, well, we know all these yep. people are going to come back because like they're not going to kill off Black Panther who just made a billion dollars at the box office. But 
Jeff raised a very good point on the podcast, and like I, I definitely came around to it like shortly after, which is that we have no idea what cost it will be to like bring these people back, right? Um, we we have no idea what sacrifices need to be made and how they will be changed by the fact that uh, they need to bring these people back. And you can have different interpretations on like uh, whether it's actually a good thing to try to bring back people who have been gone for many years. But uh, it, it, assuming you think it is, then I think Avengers Endgame does a really fun job of, of, of rethinking that story and uh, or rethinking how that story might occur. And doing so while honoring, and in some ways even making better, some of the previous films in uh, the Infinity Saga. So, really, really love Avengers Endgame as well. That's why it's my number five. Um, and I'm just, I'm just a little stunned, Jeff, because like, you know, there's been, let's just say, there's been movies you have chosen as your number one in the past <laughs> that have been Marvel films that I have thought yeah. were worse than this one. You know, yes, significantly agreed. worse. And so what the did fact I think that, that was worse than this, that was my number one. Um. I think it was like a couple years ago. Uh, Last year, my number one was was Into the Spider. No, that was a great choice. That was a great choice. But there yes, was one. There was one year where you like chose. It was like uh, it might have been Age of Ultron or something like that. No, I did not. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Um, but I, I don't know. I guess I just feel like you've chosen films, you know, as Marvel films in your top ten that I found to be like of of much lower quality than this one. Um, and, uh, I, am now very curious to see what's going to be in your top five. So I, this is in my top five. The rest and, of your top five. Maybe the if I had seen, if I read, revisited this in the last week or so, maybe it, I would have been reminded as, as to why I love it so much, but it is, I, I don't, I'm not, you know, it is one of the best movies I have ever seen from a pure childhood wish fulfillment standpoint. And it is, it was an incredible experience this summer. It was unbelievable. And I do not, as I said, do not mean to diminish it by putting it at five. It, it will be a movie that I will cherish and the, the end cap on something that was, it just seems so improbable and yet continue to be such high quality. It will be something I can't wait to show my kids and have them work up to in a really interesting way. I hope if they love superheroes. Um, but putting together a list like this, it isn't just my favorite movies. It's like the things yeah. that these, the next four movies on, on my list do, uh, is, I don't know. I think they deserve to be highlighted a little more. Hmm. That's all you well Now, Jeff, you've built up your top four to like an almost unsustainable level in my opinion. Yes. Um, wow. Okay. I'm curious. I'm very curious. And also yeah. just to Jeff be fair, end game, yeah, basically. this is Jeff's end game. Uh, yeah. And just to be fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking back at like the, the last few years and uh, what I said hasn't actually occurred. It's just, I guess it's just something I invented in my mind. I think the um, only superhero movie that ever made my number one in the years that we've been on the show is uh, into the spider verse. Uh, yeah. You put, it looks like you put winter soldier on um, a few years but ago. Not not it. Not yeah. It was not like it was. Five, uh, was oh, it? No, actually, you put Captain America: Civil War on your number eight in yeah, uh, 2017. See? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I I retract my statement, Jeff. I, I don't want it to be unfair to you. Uh, but uh, I think uh, that you know, there's a whole discussion. We could do a whole two hour podcast just on the sort of headspace of these kinds of things because I get into that best picture Academy Award thing where I'm never going to give 
Avengers Endgame the best picture. And I know that this list is yeah, our yeah. favorites yeah. of the year, but there's something, there's some other place that, you know, it's like it's like giving your favorite book to Harry Potter or something. It's like that, you know, there's actual literature <laughs> there, you know, and I don't feel like a popcorn film while I think this movie transcends that genre and does it in a way that is of the absolute upper tier. It, it just doesn't feel right to me putting it at number one, whereas last year I felt like Into the Spider-Verse was special in, yeah, in ge- just genuinely sort of innovative, genuinely, genuinely innovative. innovative. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Cinematically innovative. Yeah. And this movie is too in, in its own way. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You know, I hear you. All and right. you get me on a different day. Maybe, it, maybe my list is jumbled because all these, as, as we said at the very top, yeah. it's kind of an arbitrary numbering anyway. And you just go, I love all these movies. And I want to talk about them. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's Jeff and my number five movie, Avengers Endgame. Uh, really love that movie. Okay. Devendra. We're in the top four. Your number four movie yeah. of 2019. Getting down to the wire. My number four is Little Women. Joe, would you like to dance with me? I can't because... Because of what? You won't tell? Never. I scorched my dress, see? There. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. You can laugh if you want to. It's funny, I know. I have an idea of how we can manage and i adore this movie and here's the thing i i've never read little women i've never really it was never assigned to me in school and it was just one of those things where it's like i was spending my time reading a lot of other things like science fiction and even historical you know, stories like this. Uh, I trend, I leaned more towards things like Ethan from not quite little women. Uh, this movie though is astounding. Um, you know, it's a story of, uh, a family of sisters and their mom gets struggling through life, uh, amid the civil war, uh, classic story, but I feel like Reddit Gerwig does some amazing things to really modernize it. And I've been reading about differences between the book and the movie and specifically how it handles timelines is really interesting and even like it changes up some things people have come to expect from the books too. So I won't spoil what it is here, but it is a little different. It's kind of a refreshing take on little women. Uh, The cast in this movie is astounding. You got Saoirse Ronan, you got (laughs) Emma Watson, you got Florence Pugh, you got Laura Dern, you got Timothy Chalamet, you got Tracy Letts, you got Bob Odenkirk. Like this movie is jam packed. Like it is so heartfelt, so like meaningful. And I think, uh, yeah, it does a great job of like, I have not read the book, but it, to me, it feels like it's doing justice to the things people love about the books. And I, I finally know what people mean by what they say when they say I'm a, I'm an Amy or I'm a Joe. So that's cool too. It is a very, it, it's a very like warm wintry movie too. So it was like the perfect thing for me to trek out and see in the middle of the night here in New York. Um, loved it completely. I cannot wait till you see it, Jeff. Cause I feel like this movie will blow away your list. Yeah. Did you see this? Ah, I want to see it. I just <laughs> yeah. couldn't make it happen before we had to record this. If only Dave told you not to see it, man. <laughs> I know. Why did he tell me Sp- explicitly? Do not go see this movie. I, don't know why I, I did that. not. I did not say that. Um, but this is a great choice for your number four, Devendra. Uh, I I really like this movie a lot, and I think all the performances are great. And I, I mean, I think like when I first started watching it, 
I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I can relate to these people's problems. Sure, you know? and, sure. Yeah. And uh, there's this very strange thing that happened to me while I was watching. I, you know, I, put, I start watching it, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm really into this, but you know what? Greta Gerwig, very talented. Let's let's give this a shot. About like 30, 40 minutes into this movie, I, like you know, a character does something uh, mm-hmm. that I found really like unforgivable, and I'm like, fuck that guy. You know, like I'm really like really <laughs> upset about it, and I'm like, wait a second. The fact that I even care this much means like the movie has already like, you know, cast its spell on me in a really effective way. And certainly that continued through the rest of the movie. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really great. Uh, and I think people should check it out. It's doing really well at the box office as well. The movie is Little Women. It is Devendra's number four. Jeff Kanata, uh, what is your number four film of 2019? Well, it turns out all the next slots are all Avengers Endgame. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, th- that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> number four is <laughs> Uncut Gems. Mm. Oh. This is a movie that put me through something. <laughs> put, and the, a lot of movies put you through something. Uh, some movies, you know, you you, you feel terrified or, or uneasy or, or uh, you're on the edge of your seat or you're excited. I don't remember a movie that made me feel this anxiety in in a way that this movie did. It is it I feel like I was living the moments that the main character lives, juggling all of the crazy life things that he's juggling at once, all of the stressful impulses that he that are self-inflicted, that are externally inflicted, mostly self-inflicted, but it, it, the, the fact that he lives on this razor's edge of anxiety and thrill and uh, risk is so foreign to me in my own life. It's something that I actively avoid and do not enjoy whatsoever. That the fact that I got to live it vicariously through this movie was a wild experience. And I love how it's shot. I love how it's performed. I love the slice of new york city that we get in it 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 is a really special movie adam sandler is great uh uncut gems my number four it's a great choice yeah i i really love uncut gems as well and agreed with everything you said about it man i mean this movie is just non-stop tension you're clenching the entire movie you're clenching uh and I, i i think it's exhausting to watch uh but it's thrilling as well that's number four, Uncut Gems for Jeff. My number four is uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Ooh. So this is, uh, I think it was Devendra's number eight. Uh, eight yeah. yeah. And it's my number four. It, you, know, you won't get to see it until 2020 probably, so I won't say too much about it. But it's uh, about this woman who needs to paint a portrait of, a, of another woman without her knowing about it, as Devendra said. And it's, it's, to me, it's really about what happens when you live in a society that is directly in conflict with your desires and mm-hmm. how you want to actualize and how people navigate that. In, in that way, it's actually very similar to the themes of Little Women, I would say. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very beautiful film. Love the performances, love the cinematography. Uh, and I mean, there are shots in this movie that will haunt me for a long time. So it's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Check it out when it comes out in theaters and on home video in 2020. My number four movie of the year. We're at top threes. Devendra, your number three film of 2019. Okay, drumroll, time. Uh, my number three is Knives Out. Oh, let me guess. Hey, stop! 
Hugh Drysdale. Call me Ransom. It's my middle name. Only the help calls me Hugh. Okay. Uh, this is Trooper Wagner. I'm Lieutenant Elliott. Just want to ask a few questions. Excuse me. Sir? We're officers of the law. You gonna run me in? I don't feel like talking. I'm distraught. Hey, Benny. You want to ask this guy some questions? Hi, what is this? What's this arrangement? Mr. Drysdale. CSI KFC? I love Brian Johnson, and I feel like this movie, my theatrical experience watching this movie, was the most fun I had in a theater this year. This movie is a blast filled with amazingly like rich and likable, well, interesting characters. Not everybody is likable, but this is such a quote-worthy and well-written and well-structured and brilliant movie i just love it completely um for me the movies i know i'm really gonna love uh throughout the year are the ones i cannot wait to rewatch. and this is one like i'm just i want to go back to the theater i want to take my wife to see i want to take everybody to go and see this thing because i think it is so fantastic it's a great choice for number three uh, did you all see that uh ryan johnson released a, a audio commentary yes. for knives out yeah i cannot wait to listen to that yeah, yeah. It, it'll be uh it'll be fun but uh knives out Great movie, very enjoyable time at the theater, and uh, I would highly recommend people listen to our interview with Ryan Johnson, uh, which he did with us a few weeks back. I really felt like we had a good uh, time deconstructing some of the tropes uh, in that film. So check that out. It's Devendra's number three movie, Knives Out. Jeff Kanata, your number three film. My number three is marriage story. You always made me aware of what I was doing wrong, how I was falling short. Life with you was joyless. What, so then you had to go and fuck someone you else? You shouldn't be upset that I fucked her. You should be upset that I had a laugh with her. Do you love her? No, but she didn't hate me. You hated me. You hated me. You fucked somebody we worked with. You stopped having sex with me in the last year. I never cheated on you. That was cheating on me. But there's so much I could have done. I was a director in my 20s who came from nothing and was suddenly on the cover of fucking Time Out New York. I was hot shit and I wanted to fuck everybody and I didn't. And I loved you and I didn't want to lose you. But I'm in my 20s and I didn't want to lose that too and I kind of did. And you wanted so much, so fast. I didn't even want to get married. Fuck it. There's so much I didn't do. (laughs) Oh, thanks for that. You're welcome. I can't believe I could know you forever. Oh, you're fucking insane. And you're fucking winning. Are you kidding me? I wanted to be married. I already lost. And I believe this was your number eight, Dave. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I think that's right. Um, No, my number eight was Jojo Rabbit. It's uh, my number nine movie of the year. Yeah, Number nine. Um, obviously we disagreed about the, the <laughs> interpretation of this movie, but I think we both agreed that it is, um, an incredible movie. This is the kind of movie that makes me want to be an artist. It's the kind of movie that inspired me to go to acting school. These, this, this kind of movie, this kind of movie that's really of actors, it's long takes, it's language, it's. Uh, deep exploration of character. And it really, I think, gets at a truth. It gets at a difficult truth. And it is one that I reflect on a lot since I've seen it. Uh, I, I think about it with friends that I hear about that are either contemplating or 
in the middle of divorce. Um, it is a powerful movie. Uh, it is a cautionary tale. It is full of just wonderful performances from top to bottom with the two leads, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, but also great casting and great performances in small roles. Uh, Alan Alda, who I, whom I love is great in it. Uh, it is, man, it's such a artful movie. It feels like a play. It feels like, uh, the, like I said, the kinds of movies, the kinds of things, the kinds of art that made me want to be an artist is, is this. And, um, I, you know, I love Noah Baumbach movies and this is one of his best, I think marriage story. My number three. What is the truth that you were mentioning, Jeff, or is it spoilery to say it or because you, you said it gets a, a, a truth and I didn't know what you're referring to uh, a truth about people and marriage and being together and, and how difficult that can be and and the uh, disillusionment of uh, relationships. Uh, you know, it is it is about the death of something. And I think it speaks to the death of this particular relationship in a very honest way. It's fictional, obviously, but it feels like a truth. It feels like how relationships can be ill-conceived or die. Uh, and I found it to be very beautiful in that, in that honesty. I, I uh, saw this Twitter thread that Jacob Hall from SlashFilm.com wrote the other day. I, I really appreciated it. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just say he says here, quote, What Marriage Story understands and what I can't shake is that no one can hurt you like someone who loves you, end quote. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. uh, I, And he was referring to like this, this argument scene that's somehow gone viral on Twitter. You know, it's become a meme. On Twitter and on other places of the internet, which it's just it's such a testament to the unpredictability of the internet that like if you laid out all the films from this year and you asked me David Chen to be like okay predict which ones will become like memes, Marriage Story would not have been at the top of my list. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, you'd be like oh Adam Driver. Yeah, I know what what movie got memed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Rise of Skywalker also has a lot of memes, but you know what I mean. Like it, it, yeah. it's this one has gotten memed, and there's a very like I guess now famous scene uh, of an argument, and it's about like really the person who can hurt you most is the person who uh, who loves you, and that's like a pretty terrifying prospect that this movie brings to the forefront. Um, and it's well, and really, a- you, you, the, the, how, how the, the feelings of hatred yeah. and love are so close together. There is a mm-hmm. thin line separating the two. It is, yep. they are not diametrically opposed. They are not on opposite ends of a spectrum. They are right next to each other. Mm. And that intensity can go either way sometimes. And it's a little scary. Indeed. All right. Well, great number choice for a uh, great choice for your number three, Jeff, that's marriage story. My number three choice is Hustlers. Uh, it wow. is Lorene Scafaria's uh, movie that she wrote and directed. And I, I, I need to address a couple of things. I mean, I think like it, it might feel perverse to some people that I'm putting Hustlers at number three above The Irishman, which is a Martin Scorsese movie. Uh, and I mean, this movie arguably wouldn't exist without Martin Scorsese. I mean, he, Martin Scorsese was originally asked to direct it. And what I mean by wouldn't exist, I just mean like in my opinion, it is heavily mm-hmm. inspired by the style of Martin Scorsese. For sure. Um, and, but at the same time, this movie came along for me at the right time and the right place. Because for me, it had been months since I'd seen a movie in a theater oh, yeah. 
that I'd really enjoyed. I, I think you I were in a movie, low place. It was I saw yeah. this movie like August September, and I had the summer was just such a terrible slog. And then Dave was like, "Maybe movies just aren't for me." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you joke, Jeff, but I it, it, the the thought had crossed my mind that like I it just in my darkest moments, I was like, "Am I?" is my ability to enjoy movies like broke, broken? You know what I mean? Because like, especially because everyone had loved once upon a time in Hollywood, a movie that I found uh, vir- virtually nothing to recommend it. You know, like I, I just did not enjoy that movie. And I'm just like, am I just, are my tastes just so far divergent from everyone else's that like, it's not, is it even worth seeing and talking about movies anymore? I really had that thought this year. And this movie hustlers came along at a time when I'd been thinking that for many weeks and months. And I just found this movie to be an electrifying look at the lives of these women uh, who are not only strippers, but running this elaborate scam. And I'm, I'm someone who's really into subcultures and hustles provided you like this really intoxicating in-depth look into one. It's also a really powerful story about female friendship. And finally, uh, this is a career-defining performance for Jennifer Lopez uh, as Ramona in this movie. She's charismatic. She's magnetic. She looks amazing. Uh, so I really enjoyed this movie and found it to be like a- a- addictive watching it. I- addictive is a weird word to say about a movie um, because you're, you watch it and then you're done with it. But like as I'm watching it, I'm like, I, I wish this would continue because I'm so – a fan of what this filmmaker is doing to pull me into this world uh, and make it interesting, but also uh, to give me like some real emotional highs and lows throughout. That's why Hustlers is my number three choice of 2019. So top two now, top two. Divinder Hardware, what's your number two choice of 2019? My number two choice is Parasite. Oh, and wow. Yeah. All right. Breaking break in expectations. Here. All right. All right. Uh, I think I think this is Bong Joon Ho's masterpiece. He is a filmmaker I've always enjoyed. Uh, he always explores like really fascinating themes, especially when it comes to like class struggles. And this is a movie where a lot of his ideas just completely solidify into this almost like fairy tale, you know, story between a very poor family making their way into you know the lives of a very rich family. And I think what's really astounding is that I don't think. I don't think anybody in this movie is necessarily bad, but they have very like they're all blinded by certain things, you know, and to get deeper into that, we'd have to talk about it in spoilers. But this movie has a lot of ideas going through and it can express why like a rich person may just be completely have no idea, you know, what a very poor person maybe may be dealing with and also like how their very existence and their house and the way they live is almost like an affront to people who have to really struggle to get by. So this movie goes places. It feels like it defies genre just because it goes in so many different directions. I loved it completely. Yet another thing I cannot wait to rewatch here at home. I am going to revise my prediction on Devendra. His number one (laughs) is going to be Gemini man. Oh boy. (laughs) Now, now I have no idea what his, I think it might be knives out, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I already did knives out. Oh shit. I think yeah. it's going to be a certain car movie, but we'll see. Oh, mm. yeah. All right. All right. <clears throat> Gemini, man. <laughs> there were cars, <laughs> there were cars, cars in that, that, right? Anyway. Yeah. So, motorcycles, the whole nine. You know? <laughs> okay. I know that was very random. Okay. Um, Jeff Canada, you're number two. My number two is Knives Out. 
I agree with everything Devendra has said already about it. Um, I'm a fan of Ryan Johnson. He's, you know, he's been gracious about being on our show. That is not why. <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful. That is a wonderful <laughs> additive. But his movies, his movies are genuinely wonderful. And I just, uh, I just am so in sync with his aesthetic, his sensibility. And this movie is, as Devendra said, so much fun. So much fun to constantly be guessing and trying to figure out where it's going and what all, all the mysteries that it is uh, hiding behind its 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 murder premise. And also, on top of that, the most unexpected twist for me was how much it is about or advocating for being a good person. And that makes me so happy and a time when I think that is sorely needed in our fiction, in our uh, mainstream entertainment. This movie really makes a case and, a no and not a cheesy one, not a, a knock you over the head one, but a, a, an earned, lovely, beautiful case for being good. And that is why Knives Out is my number two movie and is one that I'm so glad was successful. Uh, it is so fun and also has a wonderful message. Yeah. I, you know, I thought it would do well, but it is like basically like a, a smashing success at this point. Like I, I don't, I don't think it could have done better, you know, than it, than it is doing right now. Um, I think it just crossed a hundred million dollars domestically. Um, and it's basically a two twenty total domestically and worldwide. Uh, feels like it bodes well for the future adventures of Benoit Blanc, which I'm really excited about. Um, yep. So great choice for your number two. Knives Out, great summary of the film as well, Jeff. My number two film of the year is The Farewell. So oh, Lulu Wong's wow. The Farewell tells the story of a woman whose grandmother gets cancer, and then this woman needs to participate in a ruse to deceive her about it. Um, and it features a groundbreaking performance by Aquafina, probably her best work to date. And although this movie didn't break any box office records, I think its popularity in critic circles helped to show that there is an audience in America for Asian American stories. And, uh, you know, along with other movies like Crazy Rich Asians and Always Be My Maybe. But uh, that's what really what this is. It's a story about what it means to be an Asian American and to be trapped between two worlds. It's about this, this mm -hmm. character, Aquafina, navigating between what she understands at her core to be right as, as an American person, which is you would never lie to someone about them having cancer if you were in America. In fact, it's, it's illegal to do so, I think, in certain circumstances, right? Um, but in uh, you know this person's family, it's like uh, a way of life. It's expected. And there's this conflict of like, what do you do in that situation? And um, how do you approach the situation? How do you think about it? What do you value more? And that's what this movie really does a great job of bringing to light and uh, of uh, making relevant to to uh, anyone who, who watches it. So I really love this movie. Uh, I think you should check it out. It's called The Farewell. It's my number two movie of 2019. We are now at number one movie of 2019. And I, I yeah, I'm at a very weird moment because I, I I have not I have no idea what your your number ones are. I, I don't think this has yeah. ever happened. Um, so let's start with you, Devendra. What is your number one movie of 2019? Well, I think it's obvious. My number one is Star Wars: Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Dude, don't play, don't play with our heart like that, man. Don't play with our oh, heart. Oh, man. But no, no. For real, my number one is Jordan Peele's Us. We don't have anything here. This is our summer home. Okay. We just got in today. So. Once upon a time, there was a girl, and the girl had a shadow. The two were connected together together when the girl ate her food was given to her warm and tasty but when the shadow was hungry she had to eat rabbit raw and bloody on christmas the girl received wonderful toys Soft and cushy, with the shadow's toys were so sharp and cold, they'd slice through her fingers when she tried to play with them. Wow. And this is a movie. I feel like this movie came out. make your list at all. Yeah, yeah. I really (laughs) am surprised. Don't worry. My honorable mentions is 20 movies long at this point. (laughs) Uh, I feel like Us is a movie that came out so early in the year where we there were a lot of great conversations around it. I loved it completely. And it's weird how, I don't know, is it being ignored or something? Or maybe there's just been so many other movies that have come out. It feels like anything that happened at the beginning of 2019, uh, you know, happened like 10 years ago. So the perspective of time is shrinking and getting very weird. I think this movie is also a masterpiece, just as much as Parasite. Like, it is a really interesting conversation about, like... Um, about privilege and also unseen privilege and the sort of ways that your success might in some ways um, or your life or what you're dealing with could in some ways uh, be harming somebody else. It's just, it's just like a really fascinating look at checking your privilege and talk about class struggles, like between this parasite uh, knives out hustlers that seemed like to be the big, uh, the big theme this year. And what actual I love news. about us, yeah, actual <laughs> news. Well, you know, that's, that's what we're commenting on, right? Yeah. I, th- I love that this movie does it through the lens of a horror movie. And Jordan Peele, his style has been evolving so much uh, since Get Out. Like, this movie looks fantastic, has some tremendous performances. I think I, uh, horror never gets any love during the Oscars. But I feel like what Lupita Nyong'o does in this movie is astounding. The fact that everybody had to play dual roles is, is, is phenomenal. Like uh, given what a lot of them do, but specifically Lupita Nyong'o and what she's dealing with as a character, the way this movie works when you rewatch it, it is sort of like, it, it is a fascinating little treasure box where like you just rewatch the reactions to both of Lupita Nyong'o's characters in very different ways because of that. So yeah, I love it. I, I love that Jordan Peele kind of has his, he is telling stories in the way that John Carpenter did and Rod Serling did like stories through the lens of like fantasy and science fiction, sometimes horror. I love the way he's managing horror and he is creating indelible images. Like just the idea, the images of the people in the red suits holding scissors, like the images in this movie, I think are some of the most indelible things that encapsulate what 2019 
is like like this is what living through the current state of the world is so that's why i love it and that's why it's my number one really well explained and yeah uh a great choice i considered this for my top 10 to be honest with you um i have it written on my uh honorable mentions yeah Uh, i do. Definitely a memorable movie, and it's it is great to see. I think Jordan Peele basically went from a budget of five million dollars with get with Get Out to I think the budget for this film was around twenty million dollars, and it's like, can you imagine what this person could do with like a budget of like a hundred million dollars? You know what I mean? Not that he would want to do that, but it's just like the the evolution of his uh, of his kind of ability to tell stories. I feel has been exponential. Just between those two <laughs> films, like the visuals, uh, the style of this movie is so memorable. I love that he's not afraid to be weird either. Like this is not an easy movie to consume. You gotta you gotta chew on it. You gotta think about it. You have to discuss you have to discuss it. And I think that's that's the major power of this thing too. Like it is it's a weird narrative in the way of like a David Lynch movie at times. Alrighty. Well that's Davindra's number one movie of the year. Us curveball. Curveball. Yeah, as, uh, very cool though. I, you know, I just don't think it's the movie that Get Out. I, I still rank Get Out higher in my mind, but I certainly think Us is fascinating movie, and it was on my honorable mentions for yeah. sure. Uh, uh, all right, Jeff Kanata, your number one film of 2019. Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my number one film of 2019 is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Nice. <clears throat> My favorite movie of 2019 is one I've only recently seen, but lately invades my best of the decade. It's Sam Mendes's 1917. Wow. Applause. You just saw that movie. Applause, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Applause. Well done. Is that our friends again? Looks like it. Dogfight. Who's winning? Us, I think. Two on one. I got him. This movie is <laughs> slips under the door. You know, we it, talked it's about a, it's so crazy. This this movie went from being not on your list at all two yes. weeks ago, right? Yes. To now yes. it is number one. Number one and not close. It's not Whoa. close. It th- this <laughs> we talked about doing it. You know, a lot of people have requested that we do. Uh, you know, our top movies of the decade. I actually was one of the biggest uh, people to say you know, of the three of us to say we just did our you know our big five hundredth episode. Yeah, we just basically it's the same thing. We did the, our favorite movies of the time we've been on. It's basically going to be the same list. It feels a little redundant to me. And then here comes nineteen seventeen, <laughs> which I think. Not only is my favorite movie of this year by a mile, it is would be on my top 10 of the decade. It is, I'm gobsmacked by this movie. It is unbelievable. It, it's, it's an impossible movie. Have you guys yeah, seen it yet? Yeah. I saw it this morning. I woke up at 7.30 a.m. to go to a very far theater here in New York to see this movie. It didn't make my top 10, but it is definitely in my honorable mentions. It's it's astounding, Jeff. Yeah. I, I, I'm shocked it didn't make your top 10. I, it, to me, this is the movie that I wanted Dunkirk to be. This is, mm-hmm. th- this is the feeling of this movie. First of all, <laughs> how... <laughs> Did they make this? How? I will watch endless behind the scenes. I will. I will. It, 
the I need to go see this again. I'm 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 going to see this again as soon as I can because so much of the movie I'm distracted by just going how did they do this? How? <laughs> it, it is an impossible movie. The fact yeah. that like this is a statement on what is possible in cinema right now. It is one of the most beautiful exquisitely shot films. There are shot. There are. I mean, yes, there are hidden edits in this movie. I I, I noticed a few. So, so, okay. so the main the main thing though, the overall idea is that this movie looks like it's a one take movie. That's yes. the that's kind yeah. of the conceit, and it is, it's astounding the way yeah. the, how far and he goes with that. The, the the way they accomplish that, even with hidden edits, is that there are astoundingly long takes, astoundingly intricately choreographed with hundreds of people that all have to be doing the right thing at the right time. It is a war movie that has to be so perfectly. It's Mm -hmm. it's yeah. Like war is like chaos, right? You think of war as being chaos, but in fact, in in order to execute this, they had to do it perfectly. Right. So cinematically, just on a pure technical cinematic layer, I am completely bowled over by the audacity of attempting something like this and the level at which they are able to accomplish it. Like the, the performances all have to work. The everything has, and the camera moves. I mean, there's a sequence early on in the movie where they scamper up this muddy hill and you know that it was a, uh, it was a steady cam shot for most of the, preceding 20 minutes that led you there and then the camera like effortlessly goes up the mud and then goes and then lands over water and like does a dolly shot across water where we just saw the water and there was no dolly track on i like i yeah, don't understand yeah. how they did any of it the craziest and crane shots in this movie for the sure. craziest stuff and then things that are intricately lit that we just see a, a snippet of as a character walks around a corner <laughs> it's like on a pure technical level, it is, it is like I said, a statement. It is like, mm-hmm. oh, cinema can do this. Also, Roger Deakins kind of, yeah, at his at his career best, I feel like some of the like some elements of things we saw in Skyfall uh, yes. are here. Just the way he yeah. lights certain things. And Blade is, Runner, there's like Blade a sequence Runner. that yeah. reminded me a little bit of how Blade Runner was lit in a certain part of it. But like, you're right, Devendra. It is, it is his magnum opus as a cinematographer. It feels like Sam Mendes' magnum magnum opus as a director. It reveals some new actors that I wasn't aware of that I'm like, oh, I'm going to follow their career from now on. So technically, I'm just talking on a technical level. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen on a, a movie screen, right? And I recommend anybody that goes to see this movie see it on the biggest, best screen with the best audio you can. This is not For something sure. you can watch yeah. at home. It, it, this is a movie that demands to be seen projected in the best theater you are able to get to. Okay. So I, I, I think just, by the way it is, you brought up Dunkirk Jeff, but it is, it's doing very similar things just in a very different way. Right. Whereas the, I think what Dunkirk was doing was through really uh, staccato editing at times. Like it wasn't as much about the long takes. It was more about how things wrapped together. This is very much a very steady story told visually in, in like less yeah. about those harsh edits. Yeah. And I also feel like Dunkirk felt to me a very cerebral experience and not, mm-hmm. it didn't have the heart of this movie. And, and that's what I love about it. Cause all I've talked about so far is this, is this sort of macro layer of the, 
the accomplishment of it, which is not to be diminished at all. It is incredible, but it also has the other layer that I look for in a great movie, which puts it to me in like a best of the decade category here. It, I was completely transported on this journey. This movie now I know that I have had Dungeons and Dragons on the brain in the back <laughs> half of 2019. But this movie feels to me like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. It feels like Lord of the Rings. This is a Lord of the Rings movie. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be taking place in World War One. But it is, you are on a journey. You know, Dungeons and Dragons is about moving from place to place. And that's what this movie is about. It's about moving from place to place. The camera is taking you without cutting from I, I was thinking place- more of like, it's very much a video game cutscene at times, not in a pejorative way, but in the way that like a cutscene has a, you know, an artificial camera and can kind of go anywhere. And if it's, you know, made with computer generated characters, it could go on forever. It's weird how this gave me very similar vibes. I feel like people who are, who play a lot of games and certainly like a lot of Call of Duty games, like this is, it's all, there's over the shoulder camera. There is like yeah. you controlling this character as he's running through, you know, an elaborately choreographed action scene. Like it gave me a lot of those vibes in a really fascinating way. Like this seems like something a, a younger generation, a viewer too, would be more easy to adapt to because they've been playing these things on, you know, on their games for so long too. I just worry that that somehow cheapens it a little bit because I think the the idea of a video game on a big screen has traditionally felt like something that is is yeah. pejorative. Yeah. And, and, and it it is not, I mean, it, I understand what you mean when you say that, but I don't want people to come away thinking that it feels like a video game cutscene in the in the negative sense because it, it feels like a film. It is incredible. The performances are amazing, and the story the, it, it it has the connective tissue. Like the way it's shot is that there are no gaps. You you move from one place to another. These characters have to go from one place to another, and you're with them. Every second that they have to do that and the, that connective tissue that, that there's no edit, there's no like, well, the next morning they woke up or, you know, on the other side of the street, they came around the corner. No, we are with them. They have, that's what it feels to me like a Lord of the Rings adventure. This Mm -hmm. is, this is Mm -hmm. the difficulty of moving through space cinematically and just as these characters is so, it, it, it to me, it's the perfect marriage of a sort of showy visual style. It's not a gimmick that this is a single take is what I'm trying to say. It it really does add to the movie to me, not just because it's a whiz bang. Wow. How did they do it? But because it, you are moving through space with these people and you see how hard it is and how harrowing and how emotionally wrenching it is. And all of the things that happen along the way are so incredible. It is such high adventure and it, it, there's such a stirring heroism. I mean, I leapt, I, I leapt to my feet after the movie was over, running to my phone to te- text my wife, like, I have to take you to see this. Uh, it is what I wanted to feel from the new Star Wars movie. It is mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. level of heroic, high adventure, high stakes, war. You know, it, 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 I love this movie so much. I can't wait to watch it again. I I want to devour every shred of how they made it because I think it's going to be picked apart and analyzed because it is it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It's an impossible I, 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 thing. I will say, Jeff, I'm a little worried about how this movie will do in theaters just because like I've I've seen the trailers, I've seen like a lot of the marketing for it. Nothing is selling like the idea 
that this is uh. a prolonged experience. Like it, it just to me, it looked like a generic war movie, and I wasn't really paying attention to it until people were like, "Holy shit, this is a you know really interesting attempt at a one take war movie." And yeah, only because it showed up on critics list is why I made the effort to see it too. I feel like I need to see it at least once more to really solidify it. But yeah, it's a technical achievement. It is astounding. I hope we yeah. get time to, uh, yeah. to review this well, whole thing. Uh, January January is pretty rough in terms of major releases. Yes. So I suspect. Uh, this movie, 1917, will be out in wide release in January. Yeah. So you I know, suspect- I would much rather review this than Bad Boys for Life. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to talk about it with with you guys with you after you see it, Dave, and talk about it more because in spoilers, um, it, it is it is an amazing movie, and I hope people go see it. I, I hope it does really, really well. I I think it's a beautiful piece of art. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it's a beautiful piece of art. I was weeping at the end of it i i just i I love this movie Mm -hmm. i love it yeah it's like the revenant with heart basically yeah it's a great great yeah yeah, revenant i was also reminded of the revenant yeah yeah but it does have so much heart it has so so much heart um and you know me i'm a sucker for that too so it's yeah 1917 my number one movie well to be extremely predictable my number one movie of the year is parasite (laughs) (laughs) 아그 제시카는 친구가 엄청 독특한 수업을 하면서 애들을 꽉 잡는다고 소문이 쫙 났답니다. 어, 뭐 이쪽 어깨선 나름 신선한 케이스. 근데 또그 친구 수업이 유니크하면서도 뭐 예중 예고 입시까지 뭐다 커버해주는. 어머 어머 너무 궁금하네요. 어떤 분이실까? 만나 보시겠어요? 아 근데 이 친구 약속 잡기 되게 어렵다던데. 아 잠깐 제시카 외동딸 일리노이 시카고 과선배는 김지모 그는 이사촌 I feel it. Um, I understand. Yeah, which, you know, I don't. I don't like being as predictable as I am, but uh, you know, I can't. I can't deny it. I mean, aside from being an exceptionally well-made thriller. That takes some really unpredictable twists and turns. Uh, Parasite, as Devinger indicated, also has a lot to say about privilege. I mean, one of the main themes of 2019 films, Us, Joker, Knives Out, Ready or Not, has been this notion that we as a society need to grapple more with privilege. How much of it do we have? And what are its impacts and implications? How exactly does our society reinforce existing power structures? What does that say about the people who are forced to survive in them? No film asked all these questions better than Parasite. Uh, which does so with a great deal of entertainment, humor, and tragedy all mixed together. That's why it's my number one film of 2019. So I think we've already talked about this a few times and we have much more to get to, so we can move on, but really love this movie. Uh, It's, you know, I I recently did a ranking of my top 10 films of the decade. This is the one movie from 2019 that made it onto that list. Um, So, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm a a huge fan and I think it will stand the test of time. Uh, But it's also as, as as something that has has kind of become clear as we've been making these lists over time is like these movies represent what our society is thinking and talking about. Um, And I feel like this is one that does that really well for this year, 2019. So, or this past year. I mean, it's 2020 now as you're listening to this, but uh, you know what I mean. So those are our top 10 movies. Uh, some surprises, some curveballs, but a lot of great movies on these lists. Let's do honorable sure. mentions. Just hit, just like do them all at once. We don't need to stop on each one. Uh, Jeff Kanata, you want to give us some honorable mentions of yours? 
Sure. Uh, I already mentioned that Us was on my honorable mention. Um, a, a big one for me because... Uh, looking over last year's list, I hadn't seen it before we made our list. And then this year, like I, I didn't feel like I could put it on because it was a last year movie. So it's in that weird yeah. chasm, that yeah. uncanny valley of like, what do I even do? But it, it would have made a top 10. I think it's free solo. Uh, I got to see it this year. I didn't get to see it before we made our list last year, but man, what an amazing movie. Uh, the documentary about climbing, uh, without any <laughs> harnesses, uh, it, it is, uh, man, it is, that is an experience to, to watch. So yeah, I know you said just list them, but I had to say that, uh, you can give like, you can give like a sentence each one. We just don't want to like pause on each one. Cause we got other stuff. To yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I put, I, I put a couple of just sort of fun movies that eh, worth repeating at the end of the year. I think John wick three was super fun and, uh, Shazam, which I didn't think had any chance to be actually good and fun. And I had a great time with it. I thought it was really a fun movie. So I wanted to honorably mention it. All right. Great. John Wick Chapter 3, also in my uh, honorable mentions as well. Uh, the best action scenes of the year were in that film, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah. it, I thought, I, I think as you indicated in your limerick for that movie, Jeff, uh, the plot is just like complete and utter nonsense at this point. And that right. is a disappointment because they could have gone a different way, but whatever the, the, the action scenes are amazing. I'm still going to be there opening weekend for John Wick chapter four. Divinger Hardware, your honorable mentions. Uh, you know, we don't really put a movie limit on this. So I'm just going to list yeah, a couple things I really enjoyed. And I wish I could have done marriage story. 1917 Dolomite is my name. Alita battle angel. Whoa. It's up there. <laughs> Atlantics, which I hope we get to do a full review on Dr. Sleep. That movie's astounding. Jojo rabbit, Ford V Ferrari lighthouse, the Irishman and uncut gems. I feel like this is a top 10 list for anybody else, you know? So yeah. Yeah. This was a hard mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great list of your great, great list of honorable mentions. Um, I am going to say my honorable mentions, uh, Waves, the Trey uh, Edward Schultz movie. Nice. Uh, and I think this movie has really the – re the reason you want to watch this movie, in my opinion, is the two central performances by Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Taylor Russell. Uh, these people are both immensely talented, uh, and I think uh, hopefully more people have a chance to see this movie in the new year. Uh, Little Woman is on my honorable mentions. Thoroughly engrossing. I've already explained why. Uncut Gems, and also wanted to give a shout out to American Factory on Netflix, which is a great documentary oh, yeah. about the global economy and how it is manifesting itself in America. Uh, and yeah, I, I watched it this week thinking it might make my top 10. Didn't quite make my top 10, but it is in fact really good. Now, we have a couple of other special categories this year, and these I, I always acknowledge these are basically ripped straight off of... Uh, the uh, Film Spotting SVU podcast, RIP, with Matt Singer and uh, and Allison Wilmore, they had these these uh, these kind of categories that we're going to take some of in these kind of special categories here uh, as we reflect back on 2019. One of the categories, I don't know if this is one of their categories, but this is one that we always uh, like to cover because it lets us, you know, vent a little bit, but most disappointing movie of 2019. <laughs> So, uh, Divin Your Heart Hard, do you have a most disappointing movie? Um, I mean, I have the obvious choice. I mean, should uh, we just, like, eliminate that one right off the top? You know, just say, like, <laughs> your second most disappointing movie. <laughs> I, so, for all of us, it, it would would have been Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, I think. Yeah. Because I, I think I we actually like were genuinely expecting great things from that movie, and in our opinion, yeah. it did not deliver. So Yeah, I feel like my second option would be Hobbs and Shaw, 
which is a movie that feels like it is catered to everything I love and want in an action movie and yet still feels completely lifeless and bland. It's so mm-hmm. weird. Jeff, do you have any any second or are we good with that? Uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot that could be on my most disappointing <laughs> list. Hit us uh, with the a one few. that Hit I, I the, I think the one that I feel like had the most potential that uh, under underwhelmed is yesterday. Uh, oh, we, right. We've talked mm. about a yeah, lot. Yeah. You know that the premise is so delicious, and yet the movie just wastes our time. Uh, I, I, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, but you know, there's a lot. I think Gemini Man. Like, I was excited to see that filmmaker with that technology, with that actor doing a cool action movie. Come on, bad, bad. Um, and even the the new Terminator was super disappointing for me. There's a lot. There's a lot of disappointing movies. All right, let's get to movie we didn't get. This is like an otherwise known as like an overrated movie. Like everyone else loved it, either from a critical perspective, from a box office perspective, from just our personal, like our friends really liked it and we didn't. Like whatever, however you want to define it, movie we didn't get, but everyone else did, uh, a.k.a. overrated movie. Divin your hardware, your thoughts. Uh, so this is initially where I put Hobbs and Shaw because okay. that was actually a movie that was well-reviewed, action fans really liked it and even people who like the fast and furious series like a lot of folks have liked this movie and i can understand why it's just it is so weird that something yeah that was made for me feels so bland jeff canada any movie i have two yeah yeah i have two that i didn't get uh ford versus ferrari yeah Uh, i have literally i walked into work that monday and uh, my coworker was like, did you see Ford versus Ferrari? It's one of the, my favorite movies ever. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and she's a film, she's a filmmaker herself. She's like a talented a person whose opinion I really respect. I, I do not, do not understand that. Uh, and then the, the other one on a different level yeah. is Aladdin. Oh, interesting. live action. Interesting. Yeah. Because that movie made gobs of money. People were going to see it multiple times and evidently liking it and i don't <laughs> i do not get that as somebody yeah. who really loved aladdin the you know the animated version uh oof, yeah did not did not get yeah for for but i mean both great choices for v ferrari particularly for me that was a movie where i was like i i can't believe everyone is reacting so positively to this movie that i i just didn't get that much out of um but for me the movie we didn't get i have to say this year would be joker uh, well, yeah, this is <laughs> this came out in October. Uh, this movie made one billion dollars worldwide, uh, and I mean, you can listen to our review of it if you want to hear our overall thoughts. But it's just, yeah. it's not, not a movie. I, I understood what the appeal of it was. It, it just it <laughs> every good thing about that movie, other than the really great central performance by Joaquin Phoenix, felt like it was cribbed off of a martin scorsese yeah movie, right it, it's so, weird so, how I, I feel like i've blocked that movie out of my mind entirely so i forgot <laughs> it for all this stuff <laughs> you forgot it for this list making yeah okay yeah you're right that's a great pick dave because i i actively dislike that movie yeah and, yep. and some people just think it's the bee's knees it's so interesting because like the on, a lot of the discourse online has been like oh this movie is dangerous it's gonna make incels act out uh none of that actually ended up happening so far as we know uh, but also while all this dialogue was happening on the internet about like, is this movie dangerous? Should we, is it irresponsible to release it? Should we have extra security at movie theaters when we, when we show it, which many theaters did, uh, the movie made a billion dollars. And, uh, apparently that is because a lot of people, uh, liked it, wanted to see it, enjoyed watching it, recommended it to friends. 
333 million domestic, 729 worldwide. Uh, really, really successful movie. I will say that I do think that the success of this movie will allow other interesting superhero films to be made, and that is a positive. Uh, but this but movie it also might spin off DC film properties in weird directions, yeah. which is which is, I everything welcome. based on a Reddit thread, basically. So <laughs> I, I hugely welcome. I hugely welcome it. So uh, I would rather we had like mark your words, David Chen. Yeah, I mean, when I'm we see so movies sure. made outside of Marvel, it's like at least they're interesting. You know, like uh, Logan, right? Another great example is just like Marvel is really solid. It's it's really you know the uh, no one can dispute the quality of Marvel, but it also feels kind of samey over time. And Marvel would not have made a movie like Joker, and I do value that. So, that being said, it is a movie we didn't get or I didn't get. Okay, moving on to movie they didn't get or a movie that was underrated. You might feel. Divinder Hardwar, any thoughts on movie they didn't get? You know, initially I put Ad Astra on this list, but it was actually pretty well reviewed. I've just I've talked to a lot of people who just don't get that movie, so that's my personal experience. Sure. I will say overall though, uh maybe uh maybe Gemini Man. I had a blast <laughs> watching that thing. And uh it's not just it's not just the tech of it. I feel like it is such a throwback to like 90s schlocky sci-fi movies. It is messy. The script is not great. Like it, there there's so much about it that doesn't work, but it for me on a basic level, it just felt really fun and satisfying. So yeah, I hope more people get to see it. I hope it gets to be like projected in its right format at some points too, because uh, to me that looks like the future. I don't want every movie to look like that, but I can imagine a movie like 1917. I was sitting there as I was sitting there watching that movie. Like if that movie was also being presented in 3D in 120 FPS, if I was actually peering through a window into the face of World War One. Like that would have been that also yeah. would have been pretty next level too. Like I, I'm looking forward to like when we have those experiences. Yeah, for sure. All right, great choice, Gemini Man. Uh, movie they didn't get. How about you, Jeff Kanata? Well, I have two, and it, they're determined by the definition of they. Yeah. If the if the they is everybody else in the world, <laughs> uh, it is uh, it's Doctor Sleep. That that movie should have made tons of money and been it yeah. was great, so yeah. fun. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I think all three of us did. Yeah, and yeah. the world at large seems to have completely yawned their way through Doctor Sleep. Mm. Uh, pun attempted, I guess. Um, yes. <laughs> if the if the they <laughs> in this sentence refers to Devendra and Dave Chen, <laughs> then the movie is Triple Frontier, oh. which. Is a movie I really had a good time with. I thought uh, was... I Jeff, I was right there with you. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. you did? Okay. I just I guess Dave's disdain. It's just really overshadowed. Just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just thought uh, it was a completely unremarkable action movie, unfortunately. But I thought it was pretty darn good. And uh I had fun with it. I liked the characters, I liked the performances, and I think it's underrated in general. I don't hear I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but I thought it was pretty fun. I, I, here, here's what I'll say about Triple Frontier, which is on Netflix right now, is uh, it it does it did make the phrase like hard out into like a meme like a, a cultural phrase. I feel like a lot of people were saying like you've never missed a hard out, and like now like people are saying hard out all the time. And I, I, I have do never like see people reference that, but okay, oh, okay. Well, I'm I, I for it. That is as somebody who is always the one trying to get people out the door, you know, for things like I I love that phrase. Let's yeah, it it's a great way. it's a great phrase. That's what I'm saying. I'm praising the movie for that phrase. Uh, it's a very and also, LA thing to say. It's very LA. People always talk about having a hard out. Yeah, a hard out at two o'clock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, um, 
uh, a character is uh, killed like uh, halfway two thirds away through that movie that really shocked me, and that was a great moment in that movie. Um, I won't say who, won't say how it happens, but uh, I, I, that movie did have some surprises for me, so I did I did want to give that a shout out as well. Uh, okay. Movie they didn't get for me. I'm going to go out there. You guys have chosen some great things other than German Man. But I'm going to go out there and say uh, the Alex Aja movie Crawl, which came out oh, in the summer. I still need to see that. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't seen that either. It, uh, it made, so it was relatively well reviewed. I think it has around 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. But uh, it only made $39 million domestically, which I felt was a little bit low for a movie that was this good. It's just a very fun B movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's this woman trying to save her father from alligators in a flooding house during a hurricane. You know, like that. Don't you hate it when that happens? You hate yeah. it when that. You hate to see it. And yeah. uh, it, it's just uh, you know, Alex Anja is yeah. a super talented genre director, and yeah. they managed to make this uh, movie that takes place mostly in one location into something that I was like, oh wow, like. Because when you have a movie that takes place mostly in one location, you have to continually like reset up the set piece. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, now we're in this area. Now we're in this area. You know, and they're like, this is when the th- thrilling thing happens. And this movie did it in such a fun way and you know, relatively plausible. Although it is kind of over the top <laughs> and cheesy at times. Uh, I, that I that think, movie feels destined to be forever on Netflix or something. Like, I, hope it, I feel I hope like it's going to be a hit. Yeah, I hope it home. is a hit on. It's, it's on video on demand right now. It's really yeah. fun. Uh, I hope people don't sleep on it when uh, now that it's available on video on demand. It's crawl. I, I think it has yet to find its audience, but it will one day. It's very good. So that's movie they didn't get. Okay. Next category. Uh, well, we have these two categories, right? We have uh-huh. be- most anticipated movie of 2020. So Devendra, what's your most anticipated movie 2020? Um, you know, I was looking over a lot of lists for <laughs> movies for next year. It, uh, does not look great, guys, or at least at this point. Like, I'm sure we'll see more. But I will say right now, it is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Yeah. That yeah. trailer, everything about that movie, the mystery around it, the, like, ideas that he's aiming for, um, basically one-upping the idea of what a super spy could be. Like, it's like him saying, you know, fuck off to the Bond franchise, basically, because this is something completely different in a way we've never seen yeah, in a spy movie before. So I, I cannot wait for this thing. All right. Uh, Jeff Kanata, most anticipated movie of 2020? I ripped my headphones off as soon as yeah. uh, I said Tenet. I, I, yeah, I didn't rip my headphones off and I regret it because I've been avoiding all the trailers for that movie. I but don't yeah. know anything about didn't, that movie. I don't even know the title. premise. I, yeah. I don't yeah. even know who's in it. I don't know anything about yep. it. I yep. don't know anything. <laughs> um, I don't care. Christopher Nolan movie, I buy a ticket day one. I would yep. love to not know anything about it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so yes, definitely that is a contender for my my most anticipated movie of 2020. Uh, but the one I'm going to go with is Dune. Oh Whoa. yeah, all right. Yeah, yep. the the yep. Villeneuve, uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, Dune. I mean, that talk about a visionary filmmaker with a visionary property. Uh, what he did with with Blade Runner was wild and incredible, and. I am so excited. I think we're ready for a, an actual good Dune movie. So let's make it. Let's happen. The, the cast is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm there for that, man. All right. But yeah. After his last string of movies, that is, by the way, my most uh, the movie I predict will be the best movie of next year. So, Whoa. Yeah, okay. I'm right there with you. All right. All right. Um, 
So most anticipated movie for me, I had a few actually, but uh, Top Gun Two seems like it it could be fun yeah. in terms of groundbreaking totally. filmmaking style. No Time to Die. I wrote that down. The uh, Kari Fukunaga version of James Bond. Just curious, like I what happens? Given up on Bond in general, yeah. Just curious, like what happens when you combine Kari Fukunaga yeah. and James Bond? Like that that could be pretty interesting. And then, um, as a very personal choice, Mulan. Uh, yeah, I am yeah. curious what happens when you have a Mulan that doesn't feature Donny Osmond as one of the major characters. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I, it, this is a this is a personal one. It's like, hey, this is uh, this very famous Chinese story with actual Asian American act or Asian and Asian American actors in it. And I'm curious, like, how it's going to play out. I, I have a lot of high hopes. I hope they're not dashed. Okay. Well, I, well, just real quick, I want to add a couple more since you did more than one. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I know the Davinci already mentioned it, but I'm genuinely excited for coming to America with the two as the two. Um, yes. I, I'm excited for that. I loved that movie as a kid, and who, you know, it could be great. Uh, and I'm genuinely excited in the same way about the next Bill and Ted movie, which we we're supposed to be yeah. getting this year too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good choices. Good choices. Okay, best movie of 2020. Uh, now, now, last year I should point out where we we had said most anticipated film of twenty twenty of twenty nineteen was I think Glass for me and Devendra and for Jeff it was Avengers Endgame. Glass yeah. ended up being <laughs> solid. It was decent. It was you know? something. It was yes. something. It was something. But it wasn't. I have never seen a I mean, superhero we, movie like that before. For sure. We literally have yet to mention it in this episode yet. <laughs> so that's a bummer, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, the movie did really well, and like. Uh, uh, M Knight did, in my opinion, complete his hat trick of a comeback. You know, like this guy was basically in director's jail, then made uh, what was it? Um, the visit, split, and then glass. Is that right? Is that the order? Did, yep. Am I getting the right? Pretty much. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's like glass did well, and he apparently used his own money to to mm-hmm. make these movies. He is self-financing, like putting his house on the line for all these things, yeah. basically. And like it is it's wild. It's like it's like as he put it in an interview, he's like, if you're winning at craps and you're just like, just put it back all on, you know, like reinvest it back all into it. And uh I mean Glass did it. He he uh, it did well enough that it was a success. And now he's doing servant on on Apple TV Plus. Um well, so he, even he just did the pilot, but it is, yeah. I'm glad that he is back and doing his thing. Like I will always have that. The final moments of glass, like I will always remember where I was watching that and like just the sheer emotion being like the only person in the theater who wanted to jump up and shout uh, at the end of glass. Uh, yeah. So or at the end of split. Yeah. At the end of split. Right. Um, and I, I mean, regardless of whether or not we all loved glass and put it in our top 10, which none of us did. Uh, it, it is still an amazing accomplishment for a filmmaker that many people had written off uh, not too long ago. So. Uh, that was our most anticipated film. Uh, and then best movie of 2019, we had all chosen Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which I think only made Devendra's list, if, if I'm right about that, yep. right? Yeah. So it was not on Jeff or my list. So I, I say all this to say we are very, very bad at our jobs, um, which is involves predicting what we're going to like next year. Yeah, but, that should be obvious by yeah. now. We're what almost two hours in. Yeah. yeah, it should it should be obvious. Okay. All that said, best movie of 2020. What what are your predictions? Devinder Hardware, any guesses for best movie of 2020? I already said oh, Dune. Yeah, Dune. Like yeah, I think okay. Dune is going to be. The I'm knockout. thinking. Yeah. I'm th- I'm hoping it's Dune as well. I I hope it's my. I but 
This category is always hard because, as we saw this year, the best movies tend to be in like the last three months of the year. Yep. Yeah. And so we yep. don't even know most of those movies. So they don't even have moment. release dates yet, basically. Or tight. We don't even know what's coming out. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. 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 So every everything's up in the air. Uncharted two is still like in the schedule uh, in some places for what December <laughs> next year, I mean, and Uncharted uh, that movie's one. cursed. Uncharted, Uncharted one. one, but yeah. yeah, that that movie's cursed. That movie's never happening. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about the Eternals. I, I think that could be really good. Sure, um, sure. I don't know. It's a Marvel movie. Obviously, it's not going to be the best That's movie exciting. of the year. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm hoping either Tenet or Dune are on my top ten, or both are on my top ten of the year. At the end, I think both of those have the potential yeah. to be that good. Can I can I list off a couple things I'm I'm intrigued by that didn't quite fit these categories? Because sure. there there are things like the overall vibe of next year seems rough. But uh, I, I saw the trailer for The Gentleman by Guy Ritchie, which looks a lot of fun. It is Guy Ritchie back in like gangster movie mode uh, with Matthew McConaughey. And like, it just looks so stylish and fun. Uh, the trailer for the rhythm section played yeah. in front of a couple of movies for me. And that looks like just a great, like revenge assassin movie directed by Reed Morano, who did handmaid's tale. Like I, I want that to be a success. And we, there is a new fast and furious happening and it's a real fast and furious, not a freaking side story with Justin Lin coming back. So I'm, I'm excited to see, like, I hope that franchise can come back to itself or find its feet. Yeah. Any, anyone excited about the Kings, the new Kingsman movie? This is Matthew. It like a pre, it's like a prequel Kingsman. Right? A prequel it is Kingsman. a World War One Kingsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you should World watch this instead of 1917, Jeff. Um, but <laughs> I think uh, I think this title is hilarious for some reason. Whenever I see it, I always just the way I say it in my mind is the Kings, man. I don't know. The Kings, why. man. <laughs> so stupid. That is. That is funny. <laughs> it, it was also. I, I think it's kind Thanks, of funny. Jeff. I feel like Guy Ritchie. It may be trolling. Uh, Matthew Vaughn with the gentleman because he used the Kingsman font for that movie too. So it looks like it is yeah, also part of yeah. the watch like the the Kingsman universe. It's crazy. I don't know about trolling. I'm sure they're still collegial. Um, but you know, <laughs> maybe it's a homage. In any case, uh, I put my best movie of 2020 as Tenet. I've never had a Christopher Nolan movie as my best of the year, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna bet on it this time. I'm gonna say, hey, maybe uh, this is gonna be the t- this is gonna be the year where it's gonna happen for me. So yeah, Davinder's right though. It, looking over this release <laughs> of what we know, it yeah. is it's like ooh, ooh. it's gonna oh, be a rough yeah. year for the podcast. I mean, Tenet and <laughs> yeah, Tenet and and Dune to me are like head and shoulders above anything else that's on the list. I mean, hopefully yep. Top Gun is good, but like that's that's a pretty. It'll, I, I think we uh, know it'll look good, like uh, all of his other movies, right? But yeah. I don't know about like everything else. Right. I, I mean, I'm imagining there's a lot of stuff we don't know about. And by the end of the year, this time next year, we'll all have packed top 10 lists full of great stuff. Yep. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right. Well, gents, um, regardless of what, what happens next year, it has been fun to count down these top 10 films with you. And I appreciate it. So let's wrap it up. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. This, edited, this episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Oh, hey, I forgot to mention, um, we have donors we got to thank. We didn't thank the donors. So I just want to thank, mm. give a shout out to those people. A lot of people donated at the end of the year. Uh, and thank you so much. It really does uh, make a lot of difference to us. Uh, awesome. I want to thank Narelle Wenzel, Danny from Nottingham, England, David Serafin, Matthew B., John and Don from Orangeville, California, Devin from Kansas City, and Jenny N. Thanks so much for your contributions. Thanks also to Irene, who writes in 
Hi, Dave Devinger and Jeff. I'm donating as a holiday gift to my husband, Enrico. My husband, we just got married in October, is a big fan of hey. your show. So I just wanted to give uh, a little uh, a sign of my gratitude. If you would be so kind to give him a shout out on your next show, it will I know it will blow his mind. Thank you. Uh, that's Irene writing in. So uh, well, I hope on, they kept listening all the way to the end of this one for that one. I know. Like, I was congrats. like, I should have put this earlier. But you know what? That's how you know he's a true fan, Jeff, is if he's still listening yeah. right now uh, to get the shout out to uh, Well, Enrico and Irene, congratulations. Yep. Mazel tov. I hope that you have a, a, a wonderful uh, first year of marriage. Uh, I also want to say, since we're thanking people, I, I you know I mentioned a little bit about my my health stuff this year. But during that time, the Slash Film audience was so incredible. And as we sit here, you're, you're probably listening to this, you know, with the, as 2020 is coming into full bloom. But we're still at the end of of the year, uh, looking back. And I just would be remiss if I didn't mention again how grateful I am for all of the support, people sending audio messages and Dave putting that together and sending me these wonderful, you know, sort of get well and support messages. It really mattered and it helped a lot. And this audience in particular was one that just, it, it, it was extraordinary. And thank you all, my family and I all, it meant a lot to all of us. We sat around, I sat around listening to those messages with my wife and um, so thank you. And thank you, Dave. And thank you, Devendra, for putting up with that as well and being so supportive and always awesome. It is a delight to be able to do the show uh, continually with the two of you. It was uh, no thanks, problem, sir. Jeff. No problem. It's um, been a year. Yeah. It has been quite the year. a freaking year. Also, wanted to give a shout out to Caleb Masters, by the way, who subscribed to the rate of $2 per month. Of course, if you always if you want to donate, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. Or if you want to help us without contributing any money, just Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review for us. It does make a huge difference. I know you're out there right now. You're listening. You have not left a review yet. It's eating you up inside. Hey, it takes 30 seconds. Hop over to the podcast app. Leave a star rating. It really uh, does help us stand out amongst the crowd. And while we're giving shout-outs, I do want to give a shout-out to Baby Zhang. I already said her name. Yes. um, She has edited, I think, like 90% of the episodes of the Slash Filmcast. 95% of the episodes of the Slash Filmcast this year. She's awesome. At this point, it would be very difficult for me to do the show without her. So I want to give a shout-out to her because she's amazing. And thank you, Baby, because um, yeah. I uh, f- found her through you, the, the internet and being, you know, her being a listener. And now uh, she's editing the show each week and she adds a lot to it, I think. And um, uh really grateful she's, for her. Yeah. So. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all that said, until the next time we record, whenever that is, Jeff Kanata, where can I find more of your work on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I do a video game podcast called DLC that you can find at five by five dot TV slash DLC or anywhere you get podcasts. And I do a live play Dungeons and Dragons show called The Dungeon Run. Really fun. Um, I urge you to either listen to it as an audio podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run anywhere you get podcasts or watching us on YouTube where you can search for The Dungeon Run there or tuning in live on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. How about you, Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech at Engadget.com. And be sure to check out the Engadget podcast now, uh, which I'm co-hosting. All right. And check out Culturally Relevant at culturallyrelevantshow.com uh, or on Apple Podcasts, wherever your podcasts are downloaded, where I have interesting conversations with uh, interesting people every single week. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you very soon. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad, it's the Slash Filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, cause you know that it's the thing worth talking about.